Happy New Year, flute benders of the movie movie land. Ah, 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 ah. Okay, welcome to I Like to Movie Movie. My name is Dan Scully. My name is Garrett Smith. And that was the best ramp up. <laughs> that was just what I'm feeling right now. Man. I know, it was very it's good. It's 2019. This is a huge year already. we got so many cool things coming up. So thank you for everyone who listened to us yes. in the past year, everyone who interacted with us. Yeah. Um, we've got a lot of fun things coming up. And um, I don't know. Do you want to drop the details on uh, on what we have coming? We should. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I want to. I want to thank everybody that made it all the way to the fourth hour of our uh, yeah. best of 2018 episode. I got no lie, like seven or eight texts yeah. from people that clearly popped up when when they first downloaded, it and they were like four and a half hours. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like that's it's every, every time. year. Every, every time year we do that. I know. I'm and then I would I would send them the paper list yeah. as well. I'm like, all right, well here's the here's the companion piece. Well, and my we want to get everybody exactly. Well, and I. Uh, uh, my my big thing every time was just like, hey, at least all the episodes aren't that long anymore. You yeah, know what I mean? True. Like that's now true. it's a special <laughs> occasion. Let us have this one. It's a special occasion. I was drunk. I still laugh to myself. I forget what it was that I referred to as fucking titties, <laughs> but um, that pops in my head every once in a while and, and makes my makes my day. And uh, Andrea Raisinbrand, uh, <laughs> Andrea Raisinbrand. still very uh, enjoyable. Did I add to her to the well. list of fake names? I hope you did. If you didn't, could you could you pop it on yeah, there now? It is it is time to do it. Oh, I had one the other day. Um, Andrea Raisenbrand is in there. Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, she's right under the hit TV show Better Cole Slaw. <laughs> thanks to uh, Jacob of uh, Based on Nothing. I believe that was one of his. Love it. Um, I had one the other day, and it was killing... Oh, fuck, and I didn't write it down. Oh, well. That's all right. It's all good. But Here guys, go. thank you so much for everyone who did anything with us uh, last year, and we look forward to doing yeah. more movie shit with you this year and i think and, uh, i finally got the friggin details okay well while garrett's pulling up the event i'm gonna give you a rundown of what we're gonna do today please uh we decided that what with this like new wave of of just love for horror um uh, we're gonna kick off the year with a horror movie yes and so uh it's also it's also being re- the new love of stephen king again yes like, with the king resurgence of horror has come the resurgence with it, of king with you know i guess that even started with like 1408 where we suddenly like learned how to adapt oh sure uh, king although that is inaccurate and we'll get into that on the show yeah but this year there's going to be a remake of the 1989 pet cemetery yeah and so or i mean i don't know if it's a remake of the movie it's a new or adaptation, just a adaptation of, of the book yeah so we decided to to do the original uh, Pet Cemetery movie. I had not seen it. You had not seen it, right? Correct. I've and never, seen I've it never read that book either, and I plan to now. And then in honor of certain events that happened in the movie, and also because it's just one of my favorite cinematic devices, yes. we're going to count down some of our favorite completely on fire people in movies. Yes. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about Men on Fire. It'll be our Denzel Washington memorial Dude. list. All day, because like I almost, I had almost my whole list right off the top of my head because uh-huh. this is just one of those things that I love. I, I knew so you I would. Googled it, yeah. And as soon as I Googled it, like I couldn't find anything because it all brought up Man on Fire, yep. which is great. But there's yep. no Man on Fire in that movie. I, I don't remember. We'll find out later in the show. But I tried to Google this subject 1,400 oh, different it's ways. And... I'm on HR's tracking list for sure. <laughs> yeah, yep. I'm at my office, like Man on Fire in movie, yeah. you know, movie with fully on fire stunt man, yeah, yeah, uh, man inflamed entirely, yeah. In movie. 
movie. And yeah. like I couldn't get anything the, but Man on Fire and like random extremely grisly crimes. Yep. And that was it. They apparently so call ridiculous. that full burn. And full so burn. I kept I trying to search for like like full burn movies, like and just getting like the worst fucking like YouTube 10 videos. Movies yeah. called Full Burn, yeah. starring like Howie Long. Yeah. And uh uh, what's his name? Jeff Speakman. Exactly. Jeff Speakman of Speak- the Perfect Weapon fame. <laughs> um, that is a Kenpo karate movie where he fights people with Arnie sticks. I know that because that's what I did. What are Arnie sticks? Karate. They're just the two sticks. Oh, okay. like what they fight with in a uh, Pacific Rim. Oh yeah. Okay. Got it. <laughs> and, um, got it. Um, and I'd say that the dialogue in Perfect Weapon is about as good as that scene in Pacific Rim. <laughs> no love lost to Pacific Rim. Fair, fair. All right, so I got some details, and then we'll jump into talking about... Uh... Sweet. We have an event coming up, yes. and we'd love for you all to come out to it. We did it last year. We did, It's indeed. back again this year. It's bigger and better. Yes. Uh, a lot of our friends in the podcast world have hopped onto it as well. Yep. And so it's for a great cause. Yeah. Hit us with it. It's, uh, so this is the Everything is Awesome. This year it's called the Headstrong Comedy Festival. Everything is Awesome Headstrong Comedy back Festival. Back off, I'll take you <laughs> on. Headstrong, I'll take you on anyone. That's exactly what I think of every time I read it. First time I heard that song, I actually thought... That it was like a Trey Parker song from South Park because if it sounds like it, <laughs> totally. And then it, nope, it's real. It's by Trapped. Well, uh, here's where you get to feel great about that whole run we just did. Headstrong is a cancer foundation oh, that right they're on. doing a benefit for, uh, which I'm very excited about. Uh, I like being a part of that. Uh, you know, I we uh, cancer is something that my family has experienced a number mm-hmm. of times. Uh, so, uh, wow, you know what? I suddenly feel blessed because it has not affected my family. Oh, really? I'll be the first. Yeah, I will certainly be uh, yeah, the first. Yeah. I'm living hard. Oh, that's that's <laughs> awesome, actually. Yeah, it's it's something that's affected my family a few times. Yeah. And I, I know it has affected my friend Kevin, who puts this on every year. Uh, so he always likes to do this like day long festival of comedy and podcasts and music and all kinds of stuff. This year, it's at like four different venues. He's got a bunch of really good comedians that you and I know from around the nice. city. Um, I believe the Shame Files is going to be doing a show on one of the uh, at one of the venues. We are going to be at Tattooed Mom on January 27th. I believe uh, our show is at 8 p.m., I think. Okay. Uh, well, here's the beauty of it, though, is you can show up, and yeah. I'm pretty sure there's just going to be shit going on all day. Indeed. And so even if you're uh, there early, not quite at 8, yeah. just hang with us, have a beer. They got good food there. And, uh, and I'll tell you relax. what, I'm not even sure. We might be at 7 p.m. So, oh. like... That works better for me. Yeah, show up in the evening. Because I think at that point, 8 p.m. is going to be True Detective Season 3 time ooh, on ooh, Sundays. Ooh, so I've got to walk carefully. Interesting. Oh, man. Mahersh. You, oh, you're Hirsch? Mahersh. Mahershala. He's in a True Detective oh, Season oh, 3. Oh, Yeah, Hirsch. I thought you said my Hirsch. Oh, I was no, like, no, who? No. <laughs> you know what's kind of funny about... Um, I did see Green Book, which has Marshall oh, yes. mm-hmm. and because I had to review it. Like, yeah. it's fine. It's whatever. And um, um, I will not speak Vigo, right? to the Vigo and Vigo Mortensen. Mm-hmm. I, I will not speak to uh, anything about the guy who wrote it. Apparently, he's a real, real dirtbag. I've heard. Um, and you know, and I, I really don't want to speak to whether it hues close to the true story or not because I don't know the true story. Right. Um, it did interest me in seeking out the true story, but I will say this that I think is very funny about that movie. There's a scene where Viggo Mortensen teaches Hirsch how to eat wings. Uh-huh. And it is exactly as cringy uh-huh. as it sounds, but it's also like kind of lovely. Uh-huh. And that's the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. But here's the rub. I was the whitest thing in that theater. Yeah. And I was the only person made uncomfortable by it. Yeah, yeah. The crowd that I was with fucking love that's Green fascinating. Book. And so like I don't even know where what, what am I supposed to feel? Yeah. And you know. 
I feel like uh, feel like making love. I don't know. I I don't know where I land on it. I, I was, that was just an observation I thought was funny, and I, I was talking to uh, Jill about it. Yeah. Shame files, and she said that when she saw it, same deal. Yeah. The crowd was was mostly black. Yep. And very very enthused and into the movie. Yeah. And she was the the little white person, like, oh, this is real comfortable. <laughs> uh-huh. And and I don't know. Is it, am I am I feeling guilt? Is the movie better than i'm giving it credit right. for or is it like that fucking bad that no one get a read i don't know yeah uh, I, I don't know i crazy. haven't seen it so like i you know you can miss like, it that's yeah. the thing like it's totally missable the reason to go is because both vigo and hirsch are yeah. like real good in it but they're also real good in literally everything else they've done you could do that it's it's just not the kind of movie i'd see anyway you know what i mean it's it's not it, and the movie that you think it is like yeah it's that. exactly it's totally yeah bad. yeah how do we get to this i, I don't know about actually hirsch. uh hirsch you know what? I confirmed 7 p.m. That's when we're on stage. So come see us. 7 p.m. Right the 27th Perfect. That at gets me uh, home in time Moms. for Hirsch. Although I, I, I will yeah. stream it later. For your Hirsch. Yeah, for my Hirsch. Yeah. My Herschel. Yeah, yeah. He's like the fucking best. Oh, yeah. You saw Spider-Verse over the I break, saw Spider-Verse. Right? And he and was he the uncle. excellent. Even his voice crushed yeah. Velvet. It is yeah. just so good. That was also like one of my favorite parts of that movie. The uh, sound effect that they use for yeah. the Prowler. That very was much, very that much was annihilation. Your, it's you your that, annihilation yeah. sound. Oh, it's so yeah. good. It's so, so awesome. Good. Yeah, uh, that movie's great. Yeah, so if you want to see Green Book, like yeah, oh, sure, yeah. but just go see Spider Verse. Yeah, exactly. You so should just better. do that instead. It's so it's so much better, and yeah. I think probably speaks to all of the issues that I feel uncomfortable about Green Book about. Right, a million times better. There's Spider Man. Yes, so there's like ten Spider Mans. Yeah, actually, yeah, and that Spider Man movie is like about like uh, I don't know, it's like about code switching and different things. So mm-hmm. it's like it actually does speak to uh, some of the uh, uh, social issues surrounding race. That Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Green Book is probably sounds like trying to speak about maybe not to do so. It. Uh, uh, the, Green Book, it's nice. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, like, yeah. I think it means well. Yeah, it's yeah. just not, you know, that it's not like a yeah. movie that you want to watch. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so it's been so long. I'm like popping. I know. I feel good. I'm, I know. So well, let's do it then. The let's d- let's dive into uh, Pet Cemetery, which I am. So fucking glad we decided I've to had watch. Every opportunity to watch yep. this. And every single time in my head, I, I have this stereotype. It's a preconceived notion where I go, oh, this is one of those like shitty 80s King adaptations where yep. we didn't know what to do with them yet. And what's funny is the more and more of these I see, the more and more I realize that that is just an unbased bias. I like most of them. I like most of them for some reason. But like, I have that same bias in my in head. In my head, I'm picturing Children of the Corn. Yeah. Which I, I love that movie, but not because it's good. It's right. because in the interest of being, like, it really thinks it's scary and it's actually like kind of silly yeah um you know but can the the materials on point yeah, it's just yeah. that movie doesn't quite work but even that like you know it, it's it it even that like i had that preconceived notion yeah. and it transcended them yes and so like pet cemetery i don't know why i've been sitting on for so long it is so it's one of the better king adaptations that i've seen i think so that's that's what i kept talking about uh i was talking to tori about that she and i watched it together and mm-hmm. i was like I was like, that felt so Stephen Kingy to me. Like the whole Zelda subplot oh, yeah. is like such a Stephen King thing, where it's like this doesn't really have anything to do with it, but actually it has everything to do with it. Like also the zombie kid he keeps seeing, it's like oh, yeah, he's yeah, not yeah. really connected That's to just this Stephen story. King loving on characters, but like he is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's and, and so it's like. It and I feel like a lot of the Stephen King adaptations I've seen, and especially the ones I've liked, actually have dropped a lot of those kind of. Um, I don't know what you'd call them, sort of like unnecessary mm-hmm. details. Yeah, they streamlined it. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the thing is Stephen King, um, have you read On Writing? Yes, I have read okay, that. Okay, well then you remember in On Writing, he talks about how he's not an outliner. Right, He yes. doesn't really do outlines, yep. but he likes playing with his characters mm-hmm. and the way he 
talks about his writing process is that the characters often surprise him. He builds right. these characters and then just sets them loose to, to you know, he's the medium through which yeah. these characters have their actions, yeah. which is why he probably has the notoriety of not really being able to stick the landing because right. he's not so plot enthused as yeah. he is character enthused. Yeah. And so where he has these great plot devices, you know, a pet cemetery that revives what you bury there. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's like, that's hardly what it's about. Yeah. You know, it's more about the character stuff. And so in streamlining Stephen King movies, the more, the more streamlining that they do to focus on the plot device of it. Yeah. Typically those are the least interesting adaptations. Yeah. And I think the ones that embrace the character don't worry about sticking the landing yep. are the ones that to me feel more thorough and more satisfying. I agree. Especially because this one in particular has a very good, uh, character plot mm-hmm. as, as opposed to the movie having a plot the actual sort of like emotional things that the characters have to go through are definitely like a beginning middle and end to that oh, you know and i, and I, I like that, that dread yeah yep. and it was because of the characters because yes. like even like i wouldn't even say the acting was you know oh, next this movie's level like cheesy as shit it's pretty cheesy yeah. there, there's there's one really good screaming no at the sky yes, yes um which you know that's like that is the the metric by which all uh-huh. actors should be measured yep. and this guy probably does it the best he can do yeah, which yeah. is more than many actors are willing to do y- yes, but yeah. it's no Tom Jane in the mist yeah yeah but uh yeah it's it's hokey like that but I, I'm totally into the me too the, the uh, Mary Lambert I believe is the director she found the vibe totally I definitely found the vibe oh yeah because she like also you know like in that screaming no she ends up framing that with like one of those like kind of crazy pushes that like yeah. Sam oh, Raimi yeah. would do on somebody. You, you need know? that. It's like she, I think, does know what she has, oh, and yeah. so she's like oh, making the up. most of it. Um, oh, I looked her up when we and were it watching is it. A, uh, it is a Stephen King script. Yes, I saw he that wrote too. It, and yep. he plays a priest in it as well <laughs> at the uh, Sister's funeral. I noticed that. Yep. The maid lady. He is uh, man. He seems like a guy that should be like just get like lost in a crowd. And as soon as I saw him in the movie, I was like, oh, that is fucking Stephen King. Oh, like, yeah. he's yeah. so distinct looking. Nobody looks like him. Yeah. And he's great when he shows up and stuff because, like, he's as good a writer as he is bad an actor. He's, he's like, yeah. And he's my favorite writer, hands down. Yeah. But man, oh, man, he can't not be Stephen King. Yeah, yeah. Even, uh, you've seen Creepshow, right? I have not. Oh, uh, he plays uh, uh, Jordy, uh, what's his name? I forget what his name is, but he's a guy who like touches an alien meteor okay. and starts getting grown over with moss until okay. he becomes a plant man. Okay. And like as he's morphing, he's just like, "Oh, Jordy, you've done it again!" <laughs> <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. It's great. The Jordy Verrill, Jordy okay. Verrill. That's very funny. Uh, uh, so yeah, go. Mary Lambert did Pet Cemetery. Yes. She did a bunch of Madonna music videos. Yes, that's right. She Works was a music video director. in TV now. Um, Blacklist, Arrow. Um, yeah, I looked her up. She had done a bunch of really good music videos, like a ton of Madonna, but then like a bunch of other people too, uh, like a lot of really interesting artists. Maybe even like a Prince video. I'm not that deep because I stopped at one of her directorial efforts. Uh, the movie starring Debbie Gibson and Tiffany, uh, Mega Python versus Gatoroid. <laughs> so there are a handful of very funny things in her filmography, but there's also a handful of really good things. She also made Pet Cemetery too. Oh, she made Pet Cemetery. Oh, right. Yep. On. And she made Urban Legends Bloody Mary. I guess that's the third one. Yeah, I think that's like a later sequel. Lionel right? Richie, Halloween Town 2. Oh, um, yes. Halloween Town 2, honestly. She worked with the Pretenders. Yeah. Uh, man. Whitney Houston, B 52s yep. Live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Janet Jackson. Yes. 
Yeah, there's a lot going on here. Yeah, she I, she was like a very good music oh, video director. She did Red sure. Shoe Diaries. Yes, Red yeah. Shoe Diaries, the great softcore launching of David Duchovny into uh-huh. the uh, mainstream. Pet Cemetery Two, right on. Yep. Uh, one of my Twitter friends was like, "You got to watch Pet Cemetery Two. It's not good, but it's mean as shit." Ooh, interesting. Ooh, Bobby Brown and Whitney Houston. Uh huh. She's been in the shit. Did Tales from the Crypt. A couple episodes of that. Yes. Yep. Sting. Mm-hmm. Dude, nice. she's worked with like a ton of really great artists. Rod Stewart, yep. Chris Isaac, Eurythmics, The Go-Go's, Sheila E. Yeah, so she's legit. Yeah. I'm not seeing any prints, but I could be okay, I Well, and I, I might be wrong about oh, that. Oh, wait a minute. She was a creative consultant for Under the Cherry Moon. Oh, okay. That, yeah. Prince's I, less successful I knew I saw a Prince thing to, on there. I uh, thought Purple so. Rain, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so she, I mean, she had like a pretty awesome career. Uh, that, you know, has resulted in the kind of, like, weird stuff that some people just get relegated to, like, in their later career. Like uh, Python versus right. Gatoroid. Yeah, yeah. What is a Gatoroid? I do not know. I have no clue. You know what? I'm going back to that picture, because I would like to know Gatoroid. what... So Gatoroid. Is it's the, not the beverage. Is the roid part... Is it just... Is the rock playing a gator? <laughs> well, it looks like... There's no, like, robotics on the gator. That's what I was going to ask. It's just a it was, giant gator. So it's not like an android gator? That's not what the Roid is? Nope, not an Android, not a Metroid. The Rock isn't in it. They couldn't <laughs> afford him. Metroid. Would you like to know the tagline for Mega Python of versus Gatoroid? Of course I Gatoroid? would. Yeah. <clears throat> Screaming, scratching, biting, dot, dot, dot. And that's just the girls. <laughs> so I guess Debbie Gibson and Tiffany, uh-huh. um, they probably get into it uh-huh. and uh, probably fight for a little bit. Was that... I mean, it looks like one of those like sci-fi originals, but yeah, but yeah. it kind of sounds like maybe it's actually just like a schlocky production company thing. It's TV fourteen, okay, yep, um, from yep. twenty eleven. There's yep. a crisis in the Florida Everglades as mm-hmm. giant pythons mm-hmm. are threatening the alligator population. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's oh, that's the whole plot. That's Got the it. whole plot. Yeah, but if here take a take a gander at those effects. Oh boy, that's fun. That's a very big alligator. That's a it's a gatoroid. That's true. You you're right. So, you're right. Yeah. So yeah, I guess time has not been as kind to her as we would like. No, but um, I because such I, is the fate a lot of times for female directors. I know. Hopefully, changing. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and look, I like want to be clear. I did think this movie was like very cheesy, and one of the things I liked about it was that it was like pretty silly and like actively very weird and strange. Mm. It is actually a good movie. Oh, it's too. a legit. Like, good I, movie. I really liked it. It needed that. I mean, even with reading Stephen King, yeah. you need to have an eye towards cheese. Yeah. Cheesy things happen in it yep. by the nature of the Castle Rock world that he has yeah. built. Um, you know, th- there's no way to supplant it into the actual <laughs> real world. Right. You know, it just doesn't work yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, so you need to have it be a little bit heightened. Like, um, there's a, and I actually kind of hated it when it happened in the book. I forget whether it's Black House or um, he wrote it with Peter Straub. It's Black House and The Talisman were oh, the right. two, and they're like sequels to one another, kind of similar to the way that like Doctor Sleep is a sequel to The Shining, right, where it's right. just they're small like threads connected, complementary kind of. But there's a part where midway through, it takes the point of view of just a deceased person oh. that's not related to the story, yeah, but has seen a murder happen, yeah, and alerts a dog oh interesting and it's just it's from the point of view of this corporeal being that is flying around town witnesses it and the only thing that can actually hear this ghost speak is the dog so it washes over the dog and then the dog you know reveals where this body's hidden whoa and it's the weirdest device 
And I didn't quite like it because it felt a little bit too much like we just pressed the plot button. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. at the same time, I think it's the perfect example of that's the world that Stephen King is working in. Yeah. And I think Lambert very clearly gets that. Yeah. Because, and that's what actually scares me a little bit about the remake. Yes. Is if the remake is stark and, and more, uh, you know, just trying to be more slick yeah. and, and more mean-spirited, it could potentially not work as well. I don't I know. know the source material, but this needed to be a little bit in a magic world. You needed uh, Fred Gwynn yes. to be the type of character that he is 100%. because that's the world. And like the that like the first half hour of this movie, I was a little like, okay, like this is kind of fun. It's very cheesy. Uh, I'm, I was like waiting for it to like take some kind of turn. In- Did you know about the truck? I did not. Okay, I kind of did. Okay. So like I was like, all right, I know this is all to set up the rules of the cemetery right. so that he's going to go put his kid in it. You Wait, know, like that kind of thing. And to be honest, like, as it was moving along, I was like, I was kind of picking up that that's yeah, yeah. obviously, like, where they're they're building to. It's like, you've got this farmhouse on a road that's just overpopulated with high-speed trucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, a, and a family with a father that, like, can't ever seem to be paying any attention to the, that, his family. It's insane. How yeah. m- and, like, what's weird, though, is that However it was done, whether it's the direction, the writing, the acting, every time I was like, a piece of me was like, come on, keep an eye on your kid. But the other piece of me felt that fear that all parents feel that is, I can't turn my back for a second. And I think the hardest part, especially as like kids get older, is parents have to learn how to turn their back yeah. and trust that their kid is safe. Yeah. But like that, that's terrifying. I just totally to know, agree. like, man, I, if I turn my back, my kid could just, you know, fork in the electric uh, thing. Yep. It, it, you don't know. Yep. That's terrifying. Yeah, it's great. I, I know, and this movie taps into that in like a big mm. way. Um, but it was the moment they. It was the moment. Is his name Fred Gwynn? Do I have that right? Fred Gwynn is the actor. Yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, he's Herman Munster. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's what and, I recognized. And the him judge from. in uh, My Cousin Vinny. Oh my God, that's right. I yep. forgot about that. Always talking like this. Uh-huh. That's just yep. who he is all the time. Dude, the whole time I'm watching him, I'm like, I know you as Mr. Munster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Munster. <laughs> that's all I could think. I like watched so much of that show and I didn't know any characters' oh, names yeah. or anything. I just kept saying to Tori, I was like, it's Mr. Munster. <laughs> I like his name better as Mr. Munster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, back in the day when I used to play in bands here and there, if I was ever uh, tasked with the unfortunate circumstance of playing lead guitar, yeah. um, that was the one riff that i could pull out in a tasty jam oh, was yeah. the monsters theme uh-huh. and as soon as you drop the people go nuts yeah. and that was my way of making it clear that i was there to rock them despite the fact that i'm garbage <laughs> at guitar yeah. <laughs> so the monsters have a special place in my heart i watched for that. so much of that show growing show up. rules so i was like so like pleased when i realized uh, fred gooden was in this but it's the moment he takes him on the journey to the sort of the further part of the pet yeah, cemetery yeah, yeah. that the movie finally like clicked for me where I was like, Oh, okay, this is going to be nuts. Yeah. Cause that is a very fantastical sequence. And it's the first one in the movie that I think there's a little bit of the dead guy before that, but it's like the first time it really like oh, jumps yeah, yeah. into like, this is a fantastical it's sort the first of place. Time that it and becomes journey. supernatural. Yeah. The first time he sees the dead guy, it can be a dream mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. just a tense moment when the guy dies on the table. Right. And yep. so, you know, that's which that is such a Stephen King oh, thing yeah. to just yeah. have this dead guy, you know, able to sort of affect things. Exactly, because yeah. he's like totally disconnected from the story. Yeah. He, he's he not has anybody. no relation to any of these people. There's no reason for him to care about any of this. And he and he keeps like saying offhandedly like, well, he tried to save me, so I'm going to try and save him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay, ghost. Uh, you I know. do like the rule that they set up though that is, he was there when I crossed over, right, 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 therefore right. I'm sort of kind of like bound to his to story like somehow. I'm tied here. Yeah. But he, even later when, um, 
when uh, the wife gets off of the extremely friendly truck drivers yes. uh, and it just every red flag to not yeah, get on that yeah, truck was yeah. there. But he's like, well, this is as far as I can go. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. there's some, you know, Beetlejuice style, the beyond rule that prevents him from yeah. helping them anymore. Right. That's true. I didn't even think about that in the in regard to that that scene with the trucker. Mm-hmm. Um, but because he says he's like, I have to stop here, right. and he just rolls away with the trucker who can't see him. Yeah, that's interesting. I will say that the interactions with him were done really well. Oh yeah, um, I I like that stuff in the way that that and that speaks to the direction and the scripting. Yeah. In that there's times where she's interacting with a character, the ghost is a third party. Yeah. And she's conversing with him without knowing it. Yes. And that's just really well written to yeah. have these people not able to see him while also making it very clear that he is sort of massaging this event to right. be a little bit better for them. They don't know they're hearing him, but they kind of are somehow, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like they're that... being affected by yeah, like his yeah. force. Yeah. But I love the way that that was played for um, like humor on the plane yep. when he's like a couple rows behind <laughs> yes. after she has a dream and the lady next to her is like, what the fuck? Yep. Uh, you know, there's like all these little moments like that that are really a lot of fun. Yeah. And I ag- the fact that he looks exactly like the old Dana Carvey SNL character, Massive Head Wound Harry. Yeah. <laughs> that was he so really good. <laughs> Remember Massive Head yes. Wound Harry and he would like lay on the couch and we're like, oh, <laughs> so good. That's so funny. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That's hilarious. But yeah, I, you know, once they got to that part where they were journeying to what ends up being like the Indian burial ground, basically, um, it like, I was like, oh, okay, now I'm fucking into this movie. Cause mm-hmm. now it's like, it is full on telling me like, no, this is like something, this is weird. This, mm-hmm. this is its own world with its own set of rules with its, you know what I mean? I know exactly and I loved mean. that sequence where it was just like, it was going longer and longer and longer. And they're crossing like all these different kinds of terrain all to get to like this, you know, and it, but you get the impression that like, that's not because there's actually that much terrain that exists between his house and that Indian burial ground. It's because of whatever this crossing over thing is, this yeah, small amount same, of space yeah. is turned into this elongated, like, you know, mm. journey that he has to take. It's very cool. I, I really like yeah, that. Yeah, it's great where he falls. Yeah, okay, yeah. And I love that, too. And actually, to speak to what you're saying about how it's sort of ultra beyond real, it's a little extraordinary, yeah, yeah. the distance is when... Uh, Fred Gwynn goes to uh, climb over that giant uh, mass of sticks. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, well, you know, just don't look down and, yeah. and uh, you know, just uh, move quickly and you'll be fine. And then, of course, he looks down and yeah. trips and falls, falls and does this whole yeah. thing. And it just, you know, I get the sense that, and, and I think they do talk to it a little bit later, that we should just look up the character's name. We're just going to keep calling him Fred I'm, Gwynn, I'm Mr. Monster. calling him Mr. Monster. Mr. Gwynn Monster. Yeah. Um, you, you get the sense that because he had done this as a kid and brought back his dog yeah. that he is also somehow tied to it. Yeah. And he sort of does feel that responsibility later for sort of opening Pandora's box right. for, I think his name was Lewis. I'm just going to get their names. Yeah, Can do I it. That's, that's a good idea. Cause well, cause that is an interesting question. I actually was trying to figure that out after the movie. Like why does he introduce this family to this? And give them this Judd information. Judd Crandall. Judd Crandall. Yeah, Lewis Creed, Rachel Creed. Creeds, that's Adonis right. Honest Creed. Yeah, yeah. Um, Judd Crandall. Judd Crandall. Yeah. And he died four years after that. Oh, At the man, age really? of 66. Damn. Holy shit. So that means in that movie, Fred Gwynn, who looked like he was on death's door, was... Like 62? Uh, 62, yeah. That's insane. That is crazy. Yeah, he... Uh, I do think he had some sort of magical tie to it. Yeah. Because as established by the dead guy that follows them around, yes. and by the line where after he brings the cat back, uh, Church, after he brings yeah, back Church. Winston Churchill yeah. the cat, and he's like, no, 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 that's your cat now. Yeah, that's yeah, your yeah, cat. Yeah. 
Um, that's uh, I'm never gonna not do his voice when I speak <laughs> like him. Fun. Just Please you know, because it's just a thing to do. It's fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's his cat now. Yeah. There is some sort of rule that I imagine is is fleshed out in the book. Yeah. But I kind of like the way it's handled in the movie that it's just they've stepped into something yep. greater than them, bigger than them, more powerful than them. Yep. And you know, I, I think this is a theme that goes into a lot of horror. It certainly goes into more recent stuff like It Follows and like The Witch. Yeah. And um, just a lot of Stephen King's work. The, the Witch in the Window is actually a great one. Yeah. The idea of just you have to make if you want to function in this world as an adult and you want to be successful, you have to make peace with the fact that you are not safe. Yeah. And you have to make peace with the fact that the ultimate unsafe thing is permanent. Yeah. And they're playing with fire here. Yeah. You know, death is the final that's it yeah and so this is someone who has the ability to pull back from death a little bit yeah and that is very 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 dangerous yeah and i think that that's something you know like in the witch in the window we talk about the conversation he has with his son where you know i you're not safe yeah. i don't know what else to tell you and like that is a very scary thing for parents and for adults agreed you know, with it follows that's to me what that movie's all about is like you're an adult now you have responsibilities you can enjoy adult things but there's a dark side to all of it, you know. Yeah. Just you have to make peace with the fact. You have to meditate on your mortality. Uh, this is sort of a breach of that. Yeah, it is. It's interesting too, because like I, I was, I was talking to Tori about this. Like he, there's actually never any indication that this will work the way he wants it to. Mm. No one ever says like it's possible to just bring somebody back from the dead and they're perfect and fine and everything's great. Actually, much the opposite. They very expressly are like, they're always different. There's always something wrong. Mm -hmm. And yet, once he realizes it's possible to do that, he needs to believe that uh, it'll make everything better. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like he's the exception to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and like kind of that idea that like if you knew you could bring somebody back, maybe it wouldn't matter. Maybe any other information wouldn't matter to you. Mm -hmm. Just knowing that you can bring them back, you would. Mm -hmm. And you would just... And even as people are telling you, like, that's not going to work, you would go like, right, 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 but they'll come back, right? So now I'll just, I, yeah, we'll I will immediately rewrite what you just told me as, but they'll be fine. It'll be okay. Probably will be there too. Right? I know. I, I, you know, I mean, I don't have kids, and uh, so I don't, I don't know that bond, but yeah. like any pet that I've ever had yeah. that had to be put down or passed away, I would absolutely would love to play with them again. Yeah. And, you know, I, I imagine it's that much more for a kid, but I, I think for him, what his situation was is one, it's that immediate greed yeah. of, I have this power, it would be a waste of my access to this power to use it, despite the fact that everything indicates against it. Yep. I also think it's that he brought the cat back, and it worked all right. Right, right, you know, right, right. The cat was a dick, but cats are dicks. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, that's... Yeah, that's yeah. true. Great cat performance, too. It is. A, it's such a good cat performance that I got very concerned for that cat at oh, one yes. point in the movie. And I'm not sure how they pulled I looked it up. that off. I looked it up. Yeah. Um, the cat that he injects yes. to kill. Yes. Um, he doesn't actually inject it with anything. Yeah. It is like a, a trick yep. Yep. thing. But uh, I think like four different cats played the cat throughout the movie. Okay. Each one was trained to do a different the very action. specific so thing. So one of them was trained doing. to look nice. One was yeah. trained to yeah. as they shine lights in its eyes. Yeah. Um, but the one that he killed, they had a vet on site that sedated the cat, as you would to put it into surgery. Okay. And so that was the cat um, oh, freshly oh, sedated yeah. that he sets down and then it falls asleep. Yeah. And we see it as dying and it's actually just being sedated. So it was humane. Yeah. As humane as something that, that can yeah, be. Yeah. But 
so effective. It's crazy. I was real. It's crazy. Real gut wrenched. The way it. that's done is like nuts. Mm-hmm. It and that's like that's kind of the whole thing about like literally the last hour of this movie is every five minutes I was like this movie is fucking nuts. It's nuts and it's cruel. Yeah, but I think it and I think this is huge credit to uh, Lambert because. Yeah. Everyone I've talked to about this movie has said you got to read the book because it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And so this captures that. You see the heartbreak of the family. You understand why, having tasted this power, he decides to bring the kid back. But the the cruelty of it, I think, is important because that is the message, is that, you know, you you think that that, uh, losing something is the worst that can happen. Right. And it's actually not. Right. And you can grieve properly when you realize that. When you ignore that, then it can get that much worse. And yeah. so this movie has to be cruel. Yeah. And God damn it, it's cruel. It's so cruel. And like the way that it's cruel is so crazy. It's crazy. It like, you know, so obviously the thing that you and I are dancing around is they lose their son in a really horrific uh, accident uh, where he. For like, I think the second time in the movie, maybe even the third, just like wanders towards the very busy highway as no adults are paying attention mm. to him. It happens like two or three times in the well, movie. Well, the first time is when we first right when meet they get Judd, there, right? Because yeah. the kid goes running off, and, and Judd, then Judd him. picks him up, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he brings him over, and they become besties for life. That's right. And um, yeah, and so this is they're flying the kite, and. I, I actually, because I knew that the kid gets killed. Yeah. And I legit, and you know, with all the truck foreshadowing, I figured it would be the truck. Of course. I really thought that the kite was going to carry him away. <laughs> I thought that that was going to be the thing that the kite brings him out into the thing, yeah. uh, which I wouldn't have cared for as much, but yeah, also yeah. would like pay money to see. Well, and they, I mean, the way the kid getting hit by the truck is done is like very mm. disturbing and crazy too. It's, I mean, it's not like graphic necessarily. They cut but... to all of the family photos yeah. that are intercut with it. Yeah. Um, the, the uh, driver is rocking out to Sheena as a punk rocker. So... Which I read up on that too, because yeah. if you listen to the closing credits, there is a Ramon song yes. called Pet called Cemetery, Pet Cemetery yeah. that they did because Mary Lambert had a connection to the music industry. Oh, right. Knows that Stephen King loves the Ramones. Yeah. And so had access to them and said, Can we use one of your songs? Would you perhaps like to write a song? Oh, wow. And um, I forget what it is. I think they get a mention in the Pet Cemetery book. Okay. And there are some there's some sort of reference to them that Stephen King did and they were like, "Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, he's a fan and we love that he that he loves that's us." That's awesome. And so they made So wait, that song was written for the movie. For Pet Cemetery. Oh, that's crazy. The one that he's driving is yeah. not written right, for Right, I know movie. that. Everyone yeah. knows she is a yeah. punk. Punk rocker. Yeah. And um yeah. Oh my god. That Pet whole Cemetery was written for the movie. That's so funny. Well, I think that that really does speak to the... I mean, this has, first off, one of my favorite things, and I know you love this, yeah. uh, such as in The Blob, uh-huh. backlit forest oh. with spotlights. Yes. So much of that so by much the time of it. it gets dark. I love that yep. you know ability of, of direction. And things like when the kid gets hit by the truck, it's not gruesome. Right. We don't see him splat. That's what's going to happen in the new movie. Oh, he's yeah. going to splat. He's yeah. going to explode. He's yeah. going to be gnarly. Uh-huh. He's going to be a scrape across the, <laughs> the pavement of just baby blood. It's uh-huh. so cool. But this is artistically done, but immediately hits you with the gut punch yeah. of family photos. Yep. Uh, inner cut with the guy dropping to his knees and screaming. Yep. But like, it's a good scream. It, it totally is. works. I, I know. Yeah, I, I can't it, tell you how much I love it. I mean, it. that scene is is kind of just like... Uh, there, there are crazier things that happen in the movie, but that scene is a very good defining scene for the movie because it, it is equal parts silly and horrific. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it, it has him falling to his knees and screaming no, 
which is like, you know, you just imagine like a saxophone line plays immediately as that yeah, happens. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, it's equal parts cheese and like real. It's, it's, mm. it's fucked up and it's silly and it's weird, but it's also like actually fucked up, you know? I think the characters behave honestly. Yeah. Even if it's in a cheesy frame. Yes. Because that's what stuck to me about it, is even knowing that the kid was going to get hit. Yeah. My first thought was like, this is going to break their hearts. Yep. This is going to destroy their yep. family. And actually, credit to them, they managed to keep it together pretty well, considering, yeah. um, you know, at least in terms of the relationship between the mother, father, and daughter. Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, like I, that whole time, I was like, I, I felt that pain of it. Yeah. I felt the pain of Fred Gwynn, of Judd Crandall, feeling mm-hmm. responsible for helping open up that right. can of worms. Yeah. I felt... You know, all of the the heartbreaking motivation for them to ultimately mess in the dark arts. Yeah. Yeah, that's that just speaks to good, strong character work. It can be cheesy as hell, but the character work is the characters on paper were good, and I yep. think the fact that everybody gets it, it translates it to the screen quite well. It does. Uh and but then the movie fucking goes so bananas mm. from there. But here's the thing though, I think that the movie is already more bananas than we're giving it credit for. Oh, it is. Because <laughs> right. we we learn about the history of this family a little bit, such as the mom. She was, oh, what's her name? Because she's in some other stuff. Creed. Her name is Denise Crosby. She was Rachel Creed. Yeah, Denise Crosby was in Deep Impact. Yes, Dolly Dearest, Forty Eight Hours. Yeah, uh, she's in a bunch ton of, of TV. Yeah, um, Star Trek Online. <laughs> um, oh, she was. On, oh, she was in Dexter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, she's she's one of those. She's like yep. a face. Yeah, but um, I forget what I was saying about her. But oh yeah, oh, so we learn we about, learn her, about her. Yeah, and so we learn about her sister, Zelda. Zelda, which played by a man. Oh, fascinating. Um, which because I, I was looking, I was like, I think that might be a man, and then I looked it up. Yeah, and it turns out that Mary Lambert said, "I want to make this person so unsettling on every level. Yeah, that not only are we going to make her this gruesome thing, but at the core, we're going to make it something completely different than yeah, what she yeah. is, just to make it that much. Because I actually don't know what cystic fibrosis looks I, like. I have no idea. I think either. that's what it was. It, it's was it? um. I think I have it written down. Yeah, uh, spinal bifida, right? No, spinal bifida is just a crooked spine. Oh, maybe you're right. It is cystic fibrosis. Cystic fibrosis. Yeah, cystic fibrosis monster sister. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, she. We learn about her history as a little girl. Her sister had cystic fibrosis. Yeah. So hard to say. Yeah. Her sister had cystic fibrosis, <laughs> and uh, she had to assist her sister with cystic fibrosis. <laughs> but it's one of those things that um, there's there's a great Stephen King story called Grandma that yeah. is just a little kid who's legitimately afraid of his grandmother because she's just so old. Yeah. And when you're a little kid and you see someone who's like really old, yeah, it can fuck you up in yeah, a way. Yeah. And and it's tough. It's just a tough because you're a kid you don't understand yet. Yeah. And um and it's great because it's this kid's afraid of his grandmother and then as it turns out his grandmother is like possessed by demons and starts <laughs> doing stuff and so now he has a reason it's a great little it's like a three pager it's one of yeah. those little ones but this you know tapped into that a little bit where as this sister who it's her duty as a family member to help her cystic fibrosis fibrosis afflicted sister <laughs> through this utterly terrible disease yeah. while also being physically uh revolted by you know horrified repulsed by, by her, her, yeah. horrified afraid of her yep. even and yep. it's it's scary it's legitimately scary and there's like the, they capture that i know and it's and like the thing the I, honestly the zelda stuff was like actually some of the scariest stuff in that the was movie the scary stuff in the movie hands down yeah, for me it was like it's a scary image it's yeah. done well and it's like the one thing that's like not super i mean i think they they de- i think i agree with you i i assume that that's not 
exactly what that actually looks like in real life. Mm. You know, um, they they definitely but it's also could be just her memory of it. Right, is that much right. crazier? Right, they they make it very horrifying. But my point was like it's like it's the only thing in the movie that's like not supernatural. You know what I mean? It's like mm. that's doubly scary to me because it's like that's just a sick person. It's a sick person, you know, who's lost, confused, yeah. gone mad with this disease that's yep. ravaging her. I mean, like I don't know the ins and outs of what cystic fibrosis yeah. is but for the reality of this movie for, according to this movie it's yeah. really horrifying yes and it's like i i feel bad for her being afflicted but i also feel bad for the sister for just being helpless in all of it and we find that she died while under her sister's watch yes. while the parents were out yes which and, and there's tension between the parents and the the father here to his in-laws yes um not based in that but well, they, it all sort of adds up. They do kind of imply that, like, her parents almost like shunned the Zelda character, her sister. Yeah, that yeah, they, yeah. they were also disgusted by her to the point of like basically not even really wanting to care for mm. her. That part of the reason she, she was caring for Zelda is because her parents just weren't. And if she mm-hmm. didn't care for her, she might not have survived as long as she did. You know what and I mean? She like, talks I, about too how it's like she knew she had to care for her, but she wanted her to die. Right. Yeah. And and honestly, I've seen that happen. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, heck, I you know, I wouldn't say something so strong about you know any of my grandparents, but right. like I have one left, but like, you know, the last one that that passed away, she was very old yep. and very sick. And whereas I didn't want her to die, of course. A piece of me did. Yeah, yeah. You know, yep. and not not that I would I was wishing it upon right, her, but right. where it's like it's it's just that natural instinct of cut and run. And so I, I like the way that that was layered. And this, once again, I think speaks to King writing the script off of his text. Yeah. Is this idea of, you know, she she was assigned this duty almost to take care of something that is definitely impermanent. Yeah. And then now as an adult, you know, is assigned to take care of this family unit that you hope is in your experience permanent nobody should bury their kids mm-hmm. and finds out you know that things are going to be different yeah and so therein lies the you know do we do we bring our son back right yeah I, oh man and that was like the thing that i uh, when i was trying to talk about this and being like oh it's such like a king story is like mm. the zelda thing specifically is like feel so disconnected in a way and the, but actually is not at all it's, it's so pure y- king y- yeah it's like it also has a ton of like big implications for the actual story at hand too. It it and runs parallel to it in later an that, way. that she sort of does. It's her soul that possesses the the son to some oh, degree. Oh, interesting. Well, because there's a painting of her in the house. Yes, um, I believe that's what they're suggesting. Okay, and he's wearing the clothing right. from it at the end. But is, it's so like, is that a painting of her? I couldn't figure I that think. out. I'm not sure. I was trying to guess because yeah. it was her and a cat. Yeah, as a as a little girl. Right. And I just the only reason I noticed it is because I thought the painting was silly. So we, you know, me and like, Tori oh, laughed goofy. at it, and then when he showed up in the costume, we were like, Ah, it's from the painting. Yeah, yeah. So I think, but I didn't know what the painting was. Maybe it's her. I mean, I guess it just to me. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's her. Right. It just yeah. suggests that like we are bonded to certain things in the afterlife that are bonded to us, be it through the rules like right, the guy right. who died and was near the doctor. Yeah, right. I don't know. I'd some, have to see it again. Some or kind of trauma even be to some extent or something. Yeah, yeah. But that said, I think a lesson to the modern filmmakers, yeah. you can CGI something up or slickify it and all that. Yeah. Nothing beats a committed performance under good makeup. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. is absolutely no trickery going on to to give it's, us Zelda. It is sort of a little bit of makeup. Such a disturbing and just image. A cra- and it is... Without a doubt, the most unsettling yes. thing in the movie. Agree, I agree, one hundred percent. 
I, I couldn't stop talking about that. I was like, that's the scariest shit in the movie to me. And mm. it's like barely. I looked away a couple times. Yeah. When she was like looking directly into the camera, I Yo. looked away because I couldn't do it's it. So uncomfortable. And like that's uh, Mary Lambert rules on that on that front for sure. Uh, totally. And it's like, you know, it's that weird thing of like it like barely has anything to do with the movie. It's got everything to do with the movie, but it barely yeah, yeah. has anything to do with the movie. And it's the fucking scariest thing in it. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Zelda stuff like blew my mind. It was like like I remember that character's name so distinctly oh, yeah, because of a doubt. that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't remember anybody else's. Nope. So just Frank Wynn. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mister Monster man. and and Zelda just drinking yeah. and smoking the entire oh, movie. So crazy. Yeah. I like when he uh when uh he takes uh uh Lewis out to the pet cemetery yeah. and he's like, well, you're gonna have to dig. That's just how this works. I'm gonna go over here and smoke all day. <laughs> And then he like lights up a cigarette, and then time passes, yes. and now it's nighttime, and he's lighting up lighting another, another one. Another like, he's yeah. just fucking. No wonder he only made it to sixty six. Yeah. He's just constantly drinking Budweiser, yep. and smoking like a maniac. Yep. Oh it's, yeah, there's uh, like a ton of scenes of him just carrying Budweiser with him, like yep. get like boxes of Budweiser with him. But I also like that character touch yeah. too. That it's like this is a guy who clearly he did not get out of town. Yep. He's haunted by what we now know is a sort of almost literal torch mob yeah. to contain the excesses of this supernatural yeah. uh, that he was, you know, partially responsible for unlocking. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know much about his family or about his life beyond the fact that he's clearly a haunted man yeah. who just is happy to live out his days getting drunk and smoking because he's, clearly got something going on in the you know on the back burner right and, and you're right like maybe kind of like has to watch over this space so mm-hmm. he just knows that that's where he's got to be and so he's just you know wasting his time away there watching mm-hmm. over it and, and he's friendly to everybody yeah yep. he seems to want to mediate the town yeah um i imagine i don't remember now i wonder what his reaction was like in the face when they first ask him what that trail is right yeah. but he does immediately take responsibility where he says oh i'll take you back there yeah, someday yeah, yeah and so he does want to control it but yeah. i think he also couldn't help himself yes or i don't know what's drawing him to tell the guy about the cat thing i know but he immediately when he's like anyone ever put a person in there and he goes no no no, no, no. no, no. why would you ever yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like no no yeah. absolutely not what and do you want this movie to have a plot of course not. yeah no never yeah, yeah, yeah. never we're gonna drink beer and we're gonna roll the credits yeah <laughs> the end yeah play the ramones yeah sheena is a punk rocker <laughs> and uh yeah, that's I, I don't know what his story is, and I bet that's fleshed out more in the book, but yeah. that's the kind of streamlining that I can appreciate yes. into a movie. And being that King wrote the script, I guess he understands that yeah. in making it cinematic, yeah, you kind of got to lose. Yeah, yeah, this movie was what, like hour 40? I was going to say it's real tight. crisp and tight. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and to be fair, it's like I don't need to know more about Mr. Munster in, mm. in the context of the story I'm watching. It really is about the creeds. You know, he, he is. Um, uh, a guide for the Creed characters to to get into and through this this situation more than mm-hmm. anything else, you know. So like we don't need more about him. I don't think he's sort of the doomsayer, right? That's, I was um, I actually yeah, almost said that, that as I was yeah. about presenting it. Yeah, because he kind of is, you yeah. know. He but he's not the you're all doomed. Right. It's yeah. I know what's going on here, yeah. and you yeah. just believe yeah. you me. Just, I know what's yeah. up. Just listen you know? to me. Yeah. But so what is that we find out that leads to the flaming man? That someone. Someone buried a, a dead guy there. Yes. And yep. he came back yep. essentially just like a zombie man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just uh, basically. Nuts. Yep. And uh I forget how they end up lighting him on fire though. I uh, Well, they decide that the that the only way to get rid of him is to right. like completely, completely eliminate him. Get rid of him. Yeah. And so they decide to burn the house that he's in. So that's they have right. to go in, remove his family members, who, if I remember, are resistant to it. Yes. Because even though he's destroying the house yeah. and like biting things and just being a real nuisance, he's back. Um, he's he's. They're happy that he's yeah. back, which is 
that's actually interesting now that I'm thinking about it. You know, that, that, yeah, I guess really the question is, I mean, I think we would all do it. Right. I know. Uh, if we really would all do it. That's definitely, I think, the implication of the movie, for yeah. sure. It's just we like, do it. this is your human instinct. You'd bring him back regardless. Mm. You'd rationalize it whatever way you had to. I, that, I, that's what I got out of the movie. And, and even uh, Judd, you know, he, he tells him about, here's what we can do to bring your cat back. Right. And he doesn't really have any motivation to do that except to kind of just help his neighbor deal with the fact that his kids will be heartbroken. Right, I know. It's like if if we want to take Judd at his word, which I don't know if we should, but if we want to, he his explanation for it is he just couldn't bear to see that little girl's heart be so broken over yeah. the cat. And he knew he had the power to bring the cat back, so. And he, fe- he felt bad about it eventually, but yeah, that's yeah. like, man, I really love Stephen King. Uh, yeah. Because this is definitely something that I... I throughout all of his work that I've read that he's always reckoning with is just the idea of, you know, and honestly, that's like, I think at the, at the core of almost every story that resonates, I mean, heck, even when you get down to biblical stuff, it's just, it all stems from the fact that the unknowable is something that we can never know. And maybe there's something beyond, or maybe it's something that we actually can never know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's, and so to be able to, look past that and breach that is tantalizing to anybody who has signed the covenant of you got to die one day. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm not going to die though. I had a lot of Mac and cheese. Oh uh, yeah. You're yeah, right. Should be good. That's yeah. right. I, the science says now Mac and cheese is like some sort of, uh, I don't know. We've moved beyond facts. Yeah. It's yeah. 2019. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we are exactly. beyond yeah. tr- truth. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, we didn't even get to the fucking, the meat of what I, we got to talk about yeah, here, yeah. which is then their kid gets hit by this fucking truck they start going through all this family trauma together, and the dad is just like, "You know what? Cat came back. I'm bringing the boy back. Like mm. I, I have to." There's, and he there's, even says too, he was like, "And if he comes back not right, I can just, I'll, I'll, I'll get take rid responsibility. Of him I'll, I'll get take, rid of him. I'll, I'll take the responsibility. I'll get rid of him." So he's like, he's sort of seeing it in a pragmatic doctor kind of right. way. That's like, I can control it. Yeah. If he comes back and he's not right, I'll kill him. Yep. No one will be anything the wiser. Yep. It'll just be me, which is such a dad thing. Yes. Just yep. be like, I'll take the brunt of it. Everyone yep. else just move. I'll deal. Yeah. Which, whew, God bless dads for that. I know. Uh, although I don't know that that actually turns out to be true for uh, yeah, this yeah, guy. Yeah. <laughs> not, not for this guy. But yeah. I mean, even so, like, yeah. his, a lot of things are motivating him. Yeah, I yes. think mostly is the greed of of having to, you know, not wanting to deal with this loss anymore. Yeah, the grief and and, yeah. and all that. Yeah. And then we get also driven home by the fact that he was sort of blamed for the death by his, yes, his father-in-law, right. who then knocked the corpse oh my out God. of the coffin Dude, I at forgot the funeral. Of, I, I'm so glad you said that because I completely Fuck. forgot about that scene, and that was like I had already throughout the movie been being like, "This is nuts." Yeah, this is so fucking nuts. That was this the nutsest nuts. part when that happened. I was like, "This is bananas." It's what insane. is happening? <laughs> I think that was your comment on my letterbox yeah. thing. Was that it's bananas? It's I literally I must have said that 45 times while watching this movie. It's it totally was, bonkers. It, it's out of control. That scene was nuts. I have a, a note. The Gwyn kill is bonks yeah, yeah, <laughs> with yeah. a Z. But yeah, that, that scene's nuts. That and what I love crazy. is that later when he sends his, his wife and daughter to go live with the in-laws for a little bit while he gets his shit together, his father-in-law is just like, well, you know, what are you going to do? I guess we shake hands now, right? I'm, uh, I'm so sorry. It's like, that. sorry about that. I, uh, funerals. But at the same time, though, like, I think that that forgiveness between the two of them is earned because at that point, Lewis is going, oh, I understand that grief makes you do crazy things. 
I'm planning on doing the craziest <laughs> grief motivated thing it's true. as soon as you get your asses on that plane. That's true. So it's like yeah. it really does speak to I mean I would actually like to watch this back to back with hereditary uh because I think point, that they're actually. very similar the idea of just like if and heck, in even the witch where it's just like if you can't make peace with the fact that it's all going to be gone one day you're going to lose it now instead. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like whew, yeah. That's scary shit. Well, and then we just get ten fucking minutes of pure fucking insanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, with what's the the child actor's name in this? You knew uh, it. Up Miko Hughes. Head. Yeah, Miko Hughes, aka Boys Have Penises and Girls Have Vaginas from oh, Kindergarten, Kindergarten Cop. Cop. Yeah. Uh, aka the little possessed boy in Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Uh-huh. Aka Michelle's friend on Full House. Uh-huh. Um, is there anything he hasn't done? I don't know. And there's actually like there's if if you we went to his IMDb, which I don't recommend we do because we literally will be there forever. There's like a string of just like four or five years where it was just like, do you need a five year old boy in your movie? Oh yeah, he's in it. Got it. Well, he's like, let's see, he is. He appeared in his first feature film, which I believe is Pet Cemetery, at 27 months. That's bananas. Which is and what's funny, I actually read this about him. Uh, the daughter's played by twins, which okay. is usually what happens with child yep. actors because you can only yeah, there's have like them on rule, set for a certain amount for, of time. Yep, yep. Uh, labor laws. And yeah, uh, Mary Lambert campaigned not to have twins play Mika Hughes' character because he was so good. Oh, wow. And so they worked around his schedule because he was... And he like he really is. He's amazing. That kid gets it, and I don't know how he gets uh, it. Me neither. And like I, I kept... Part of what's so fucking insane about this movie is the stuff that he does that you can tell is actually him doing it. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, how do you explain to a kid this age to do that stuff and what it means to do that stuff? I don't know. It's like, it's because he fucking bites uh, a dude's throat out of his uh, body. He uh, cuts his Achilles tendon. He yeah. bites his throat out. Um, he he calls the dad to ask if he wants to play. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, that's creepy. So good. Doesn't he like slice somebody's like kind of like the inside of their mouth? Oh yeah, that's Fred Gwynn. He right? slices right across his lips but, yeah. and makes the crazy. Oh, oh god! That was when I screamed the, for the first time. I was like, <laughs> <Yeah>. ah! <laughs> yeah. it was so good. But it's him. Yes, and he's like walking and being menacing. He's being and really creepy. You could probably tell a kid like all right just go and right. do this but it has more pathos to There's it it's like it's something so real. it's so menacing in like such a horrifying way and, and like, i'm also wrong he was not on full house i'm thinking of another kid oh okay but he was on uh doogie hauser and hanging with mr cooper uh-huh. which if you put together probably equals full house <laughs> oh he was in jack the bear oh Dude, he's in a ton of stuff. I was like going through his IMDb. He was on The Nanny uh-huh. as Frank Bradley, which is the name of a bar around here. Oh, yeah. Frankie Bradley's. Cops and Robertsons. Yeah. Chevy Chase and Jack Plant. Uh-huh. Life with Louie. Oh, no, he is in Full House. Ha! Ha! Apollo 13. Yeah, this kid is. He's He was literally in a ton of really, shit over the course of like four really or five good. years. And he's very good in this movie. But like in a way he's, that was, he's wearing diapers. Yeah, it's like <laughs> disturbing to me. Like it it was it, on like multiple levels. Disturbing mm. as just like an audience member being like, "Ah, this is the scary kid." And then also like, "I how, what is this child abuse? What is this? Yeah, how yeah. Does, what is this? <laughs> they're abusing cats, they're yeah. abusing children." Yeah. Although another thing that I read up when reading yeah. on this movie is that apparently like no, it was right. not a problem at all. Yeah. He didn't know. Right. Um anything that was horrifying for him to see he was not in the room for anything right. that was horrifying for him to do. It was just as simple as being like, all right, kid, grit your teeth. and Yeah, right. It's play time. Does, you yeah. Know? Yeah. He swings his hand, but he doesn't actually cut right. uh, Judd's face open. Yeah. Yeah. But, even so, but even so, you're right. There's certain yeah. things where I'm like, in order for him to be doing this, he's got to get it. Yeah. And I didn't get 
I mean, I couldn't even tell you how a movie was made until I was like 15. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, that's insane. Even now, there's certain things that happen where I'm like, oh, nope. it's it was nuts. You and want me to act? <laughs> and, yeah, the and, fuck uh, out of here. <laughs> if I may be so bold, they then have a fully on fire stunt child by they the do end indeed. of this. <laughs> well, and what I like about this movie is that it doesn't. It's not necessarily gruesome short of Judd getting killed. Agreed. But it doesn't pull the punches in what it shows. No. When he digs up the sun, there is a little blue-skinned oh, corpse. God, yeah. You see his hands. Holy shit. He carries it. I know. It's alive. When it falls out of the coffin, yep. that is a real thing. It's, like, it's, oh, God. It's very tactile and real. That's cool. That's bold. And I that's agree. not something that you often see. Uh, I maybe agree. more back then. And I don't want to be like, oh, the good old days. It's just... It's nope. something that I think we shoot around now. Dude, I agree with you. And that was like, as I was watching this movie, I was like, I just went from very excited to see a new Pet Cemetery movie. What, Like, I was already excited for that movie just because I think the trailer is good for the new Pet Looks Cemetery good. movie, you know? And I'd never seen this, so I didn't have... I love that Jason Clark's getting his due. He's I a great know. choice for that role. Yeah, and, and I don't have any, you know, so I had never seen this at that point. So I was like, I don't have any love for this or anything. I just, I think that looks cool. I went from being, like, excited to see that movie to going, like, how are they going to make that movie? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how does somebody today make that movie? I certainly plan to read the book in the interim. Yeah. Because I want to be able to see what was cut out and what was... It'll be interesting, like, watching both it's and reading to- both Totally. It's. The only difference is, like, I'm that guy. I think that the made-for-TV it movie, it's iconic. Yeah. And it has all of these great things about it. But that movie is shit. Yeah, it's a TV movie. <laughs> it's, it's so poopy. yeah. yeah. But I liked the new one well enough, but yeah. there's certain things that had to be, uh, you know, just added or subtracted to, to make it work. I'm very curious to see how yeah. that cemetery does it. I don't think they're going to be able to tap as primally into that protective nature, that motivation to mess with the dark arts as well. Um, because my estimation is that they're going to go less cheesy and more quote unquote real. I would agree. And it can be done. Yep. Um, I didn't see the remake of Carrie, but I I, I got that same vibe out of yeah. it. Where I'm sure it's good, but like without, you know, like Brian De Palma doing his thing to it, yeah, you know, yeah. without Mary Lambert doing her thing to it, I wonder what angle it'll take. And I wonder if even if it's more real, will I then be less engaged with these characters? I know. And I was so engaged with these characters, uh, very surprisingly. I I totally agree with you because I, I like. I don't know. I'm thinking about things like the fact that we're talking about a 27 month old boy that actually plays like this terrifying character. I kind of imagine a 2019 version of this has like, I don't know, maybe some CGI child or. So. Do you mm. know what I'm saying? Like, I just I can't imagine I'm. It'll act- be different. I'm not actually going to watch a little boy do this. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I just and, it'll and maybe I will, be, and that would be thrilling. It'll be a five year old boy, right? You know, right. Like actually, wait, I wonder who the boy is. It's because like that would be thrilling if that's actually the case. I, I would love for that to turn out to be the case. I just I kind of can't imagine it will. <laughs> you know. Uh, then again, it was very surprising to me in the same regard that it was an R rated movie with like young boys talking like young boys and but with an r-rated language you know yeah, what i mean yeah, yeah. that i kind of thought we uh, were a kid in the new ones and nobody it's his only role yeah so it could be could be young although mom is amy simetz so i'm into that yeah the, uh, the cast is great yeah um you know john lovitz i think is uh, lovitz. lovitz yeah lithgow. god i always do that and I, I always get I knew uh, I meant lithgow. john lithgow and oh now i'm not gonna get his name um angelina jolie's father oh uh, uh voight john voight i yeah. i don't confuse them right I know who they are, yes. but I always say the wrong name. I say the name. wrong name. Yeah. yeah I, I do it with Lovitz, and and, uh, uh, and now I can't think of the other one <laughs> Can now. you imagine yeah. John Lovitz as Judd I, Crandall? 
that would like, be yeah oh yeah we can honestly, go to the cemetery and uh, it'll uh, you bury it it'll come that's the ticket yeah. you bury it it'll come back in a weird way I can kind of imagine that more in the yeah, sense that that true. would be today's version of this kind of like camp you if know what Adam I mean? Sandler made Pet Cemetery yeah. if Happy Madison made Pet yeah. Cemetery and just did oh yeah yeah <laughs> would be ridiculous. <laughs> the little boy would be played by Nick yeah. Swardson. I was gonna say it would it would just be like Nick Swardson like constantly resurrecting someone like yeah. over and over again. You know? Oh my god! Yeah. I actually want to see this. It would be like Danny McBride back. getting killed over and over again yeah. somehow by uh, something sorry, stupid. Kevin James. Right? Yes, yeah, so you're right. Again. You're Thank right. You. That's more. I know. I went the route of that one movie that Nick Swardson was in that wasn't yeah. a, a, a Happy Madison movie. <laughs> And you know who the, the dead guy, Pascal, you know who that would be? It would be Rob Schneider. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just sad and yeah. pissed at the world for I, some reason. Give me the happy Madison Pet Cemetery. I'd watch the shit out so of it. so bad, but I'll take the new one. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me, I'm very excited for it. I just, I'm very curious to see, like, how far they're able to go well, with some of this it? stuff. I, yeah, how do I, you make it worth watching again? I know. And granted, I, I maybe that's not the concern. We're right. now 30 years out from yeah. it. So, you know, it's it doesn't need to... It doesn't need to convince... I'm acting like I'm a hardcore fan of the original. Uh, right, I saw I it three days ago. I know. Uh, but, but I know exactly what you're going to yeah, say. Yeah, like I... I you don't need to appeal to me. You need no. to appeal to my niece. Yep, you know, like, exactly. She's a teenager ready to go see some horror movies. Yep. That's fucked up. She's a teenager. <laughs> oh, man. I hope pet cemeteries are real because I am not ready to deal with <laughs> yeah, death exactly. yet. I have a couple notes here that I Please. thought... Um, oh, yeah. There's that one crazy hallucination. Do you remember when the... Uh, the dad is out at the pet cemetery and he looks down and a disembodied yeah. face rises out yeah. of the rock pile. Like, yes. that I don't know me what the that fuck is. Out. I don't know what that was. I can't figure it, but it was great. It was amazing. The, Super and, great. And there's a, there's even a shot of the Indian burial ground at one point that literally like blips onto the screen and then off. Mm. It's like not a sequence where they're there. Something else is happening. There's a couple of those where things blip it on. It just like just to blips like in and then out. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's so smartly directed. Yeah. I have a note about the cutaways when the kid died. Yeah, that was, yeah. and that's an example of that really you know, smart happening. filmmaking too. Um, when the mom has to fly back because she's getting the sense that uh, the craziest thing happens, which would never happen anymore. Yeah. She goes running past the airport desk to get on the plane, yeah. and the lady working the desk, she's like, uh, I'm sorry, but uh, the, the plane is, the door is shut, they're about to leave. And she's like, whatever, I don't care, and starts running. <laughs> and then the, the lady goes, all right, I'll call the pilot. Yeah, yeah. And she picks up her phone, it's like, yeah, of course this is pre nine eleven, but yeah, that's yeah. the most pre nine eleven thing yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, well, I'll call the pilot and hold it up for the person that didn't provide a ticket at all. She also insane. does a completely insane thing when she lands, which is like, think about the logic of this. The whole reason she she flies all the way home is because she is really worried something is wrong oh, at yeah, home. Yeah. As soon as she gets home, goes to Judd's house. She goes to Judd's <laughs> house and spends like a lot of time at Judd's. Now, Wait, granted, I think she did hear something. She hears what sounds like, I believe, her dead child's voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, and if that's the case, of course you go to Judd's house. Well, she to- doesn't know is back yet. Right. That's not a thing but, that she, yeah. Right. But I think as a mother, I assume if you she hear, hears it, yeah. she knows that's her child's voice. Well, she's and been she- having hallucinations at this right. point, too. So yeah. she's like, off the yeah. wall a little bit. It was just very funny to me that she never actually goes home. She goes to Judd's Wait, house. How did she die? Oh, good question. Because she does. Because that's the finale. Yeah, she does. She dies, and then he brings her back, and they make out as she. They imply she stabs him in the back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was such a cool ending. So that great old school choppy slow mo. My own. So crazy. Love that. But I don't remember how she actually died. You're right. I I I can't think of it now. 
she just gets like stabbed or something. I wonder, does the sun do it, and then the sun gets lit on fire? The sun definitely does it, right? Um, I do know that. Let's see. Oh, Maybe. right, because that's right. The big irony of it is like he brings his son back from the dead. His son uh, obviously kills Judd, and then ends up killing his wife. So, like this mistake he makes in bringing, you know, not being able to deal with his grief over his son's death, he brings his son back only to have his son kill his wife, forcing oh. him to have to kill his son. I she, think she right? gets killed. Um, yeah, he kills her with the scalpel, which I have a yes. note that it's very funny that the dad He's, carries his own personal in, scalpel in like around. like a little box. In a, like velvet yeah. box. Uh, 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 but if you remember, when the kid shows up, that's when he's wearing the costume. Yes. And when yes. he attacks her, she hallucinates Zelda. Oh, and that's, that's right. why I was that's wondering why you if maybe that things. painting was, was... That makes sense. Her. Maybe not. I don't know if that painting was her. I forget where that painting was first shown. I don't know. I literally can't figure it out. I'd have to watch it again. We've yeah. only seen it once, but yeah, she she hallucinates Zelda, that's and right. that's and that was fucking scary. Really fucked about up. it. Yep. And um, right, and so then they've got to burn their child alive, uh, and then well, alive, uh, and then he immediately takes his wife to the Indian burial ground to resurrect her. They oh yeah, he doesn't bury he doesn't light the sun on fire. He hits him with the the morphine injection and kills him. Oh, but then lights the house on fire. That's right. And there is, but there are shots of that little boy like on fire. Yes, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. on fire. And and we also get the man on fire earlier oh, yeah. too yeah. when they do that. But then after he burns it, he goes to take Rachel's body, and Pascal appears and says, "Don't make it worse." Right. And he's like, "Fuck you, yep. dead guy. Yep. I'm making it worse." Yep. And, and then there's that wild shot of him making out with his clearly dead zombie Ooh, wife as her face truly, like falls truly apart. Truly gross. Yeah, but so good. It's so good. That one, I, now I'm very curious as to how the book ends because I like that ending a lot. So, but it's a very cinematic ending. I know. And I'm very curious as to where King lands on. I it. believe I Tori and I looked this up, and I think what we found out was it ends like basically just like slightly sooner than that. Okay, so okay. like I but I think it ends so with the implication is that I, he's going to bring her back. I think that's what it ends and with. And we all just know right, that's a bad idea. Right, yeah. exactly. I, th- I that think makes that's sense. and that makes more sense to me actually, but yeah, I yeah, like yeah. that this movie goes and that far. Pop. Yeah. It's got a pop. Yeah. And that's definitely I that love was that the big thing about far. um Paranormal you've seen Paranormal Activity, right? I've seen none of those, but I've seen okay. both endings to the first one. Okay, so you, yeah. that was uh that was actually a suggestion of Spielberg. Right. Who said that the original ending is way better, right? But like, we need the audiences to come out of that popping, yeah, buzzing. And so he made the right decision. Yeah, you know, they made sequels out of it and all. And I think this sort of has, you know, in writing that script, I think King or whoever put that ending there, yeah, knows like you got to come out of this movie hot. You yeah, know, you can't yeah. just have a bleak. Yeah, heck, that's uh, even like something like The Mist. Yeah, you know the the book The Mist ends with them just going shit. The world is completely different now. Right. We've got a gun here. Let's just keep driving and see what yeah. happens. And so that's terrifying when you read it because everything that they know is no longer worth knowing. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't pop. Right. So the right. movie got to have him shoot his kid in the head and then run out of bullets right as everything goes back to normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. It's I know. And I oh man, you I want l- that pop. I know. And I lo- yeah, I just love like how fucking insane that is too. It's like so crazy. It's such like a gross makeup effect, and like, and that's another thing. Is just like again, it's like, what is this movie gonna? What is this oh, pet yeah. cemetery gonna look like? Like, because that would honestly, they could just remake that exact scene, and I'd still, and and even though I've just seen this one come out and go, that's fucking nuts. Yeah, it's I so nuts. I can't believe they did that. I hope that they see fit 
to to alter it enough. Yeah. Um, so that people who have the original fresh in their mind yeah. don't just feel like a yeah. retread. Yeah. But I hope that it does capture all of the same excuse me, emotional beats. I agree. Um I, and but it I do I kinda hope that it has its own if not this ending, its own sort of Friday the thirteenth like ending. Oh, you know, that's what doubt. that is. Yeah. That's the Friday the thirteenth yeah. Jason coming out of the water to grab her out of the boat ending. I hope that part two is about her bringing him back to life. Oh my god! Because I like the I like the idea that whatever this force from beyond that possesses these reanimated things. Yeah. Look at your sweater. Yes, thank you. <laughs> these, thank you. Uh, these reanimated things is some sort of combined and working together force. You right. Know, there is a, uh, you know, from beyond uh, connectivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some some sort of like other consciousness. Yeah, that there's has there's something some sort to of do intention with to it. Yeah, yeah. Because it is like. You know, everyone who's dead that is altruistic to a degree is like, don't tempt this power. Right, right. You know, and everyone who's, and it's funny because everyone who's alive is like, mm, fuck you. Yeah. What do you know? You're yeah. dead. Yeah. 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 It is interesting that they make a pretty big distinction between uh, Pascal and uh, the reanimated bodies. Pascal mm-hmm. is like literally like a ghost. He's a ghost, yeah. Well, he didn't get brought back, but he right. is like a messenger from the other side. Right. He's yeah. just like, I've seen it all yeah. now, and like, yeah, and I, and I do get the sense too that it's that like time isn't really a thing for him either, and it's that he's sort of you know Doctor Manhattaning where it's just like I've actually seen where this all ends, yeah, and I am not permitted by the laws of the afterlife or whatever this is to tell you how it ends, but. I can guide you I in the right. I can strongly di- advise you not. Yeah, to exactly. Do this. Like he can guide you in the right direction, yeah. but he actually can't make that. You know, he can't make the determining. Yeah. The d- determining decisions yeah. for you. As your spiritual lawyer, I strongly advise yeah, yeah. against this action. <laughs> yeah. But it's, that's that's yeah. really how it is, and yeah. like I, I kind of like that. I think that, like I said about uh, Black House. Yes. That ghost couldn't just, you know, make the body seen by somebody. Right. Couldn't you know control someone to walk over to the body but could suggest to a dog <laughs> that maybe there's something worth checking out and then the chips fall as they may yeah you know i think that's why when he's like well you know i i got you a driver yeah i got you on that plane yeah i got you out here but like i can't make you stop your husband yeah. i can't stop your husband that is on you you know yeah and you know since she can't really hear him anyway I also made True. a note about that truck driver because there's a couple great lines yeah because please. she hitchhikes with a truck driver yes. and we all here in the real world know that that's a terrible idea. I think even the camera kind of leans into it and goes like, this isn't the best idea. It's weird, yeah. yet it's nothing bad happens. Right. The tr- well, because what happens is she's like, hey, uh, do you mind if I get a ride? And the truck driver says, hop on, babe. Yeah, exactly. That's the line. And she goes, oh, thank you. Yeah. And hops in, and then they have like a great night. <laughs> and then later, she's about to leave, and she's like, thank you so much. And he goes, I hope whatever you're dealing with, I hope it all works out, lady. Yeah, yeah. Like, what a sweetheart. And the whole time, I'm just like, this guy's going to fuck her to death. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. No, he's just helpful. Yep. It's insane. Yep. And so that was just, I thought that was a very funny thing that, um, you know, I guess at that point in 1989, it right. wasn't, qu- I mean, I'm sure it was common knowledge that hitchhiking can be dangerous, yeah. but the imagery didn't exist yet that we all have in our brain of just like, truckers murder, don't get on the truck. <laughs> you know, like, that's, that's so wild. Um, Doctor has his very own scalpel that he takes everywhere. That is so funny to me. I have, uh, I think that's all I've. Oh wait, best line in the whole movie. Yeah. Um. Oh, I think I know what you're gonna say, but I can't remember the context for it. Okay, so, uh, Rachel is on the phone with her husband, and uh-huh. she's at her her parents' house, parents his house, in-laws, yeah. 
and uh, he's getting ready to do this raising his son from the dead. Yeah. And it's very clear that he's up to no good. And she's like trying to get something off on the phone. He goes, listen, I can't talk right now. And he hangs up. Yeah. And she's like, oh, he just hung up on me. <laughs> and then her mother says, he probably went out for a hamburger or a chicken dinner, dear. Yeah. You know how men are when they're alone. <laughs> That's chicken like, dinner. What I've is that? Never heard that phrase before. I've been. A, I've actually. Uh, my girlfriend was in New York for yeah. the past week, so I've been alone, and not once has me being a man been the deciding factor in me just being like, "I'm gonna go get a hamburger or chicken dinner because yeah. I'm lonely." It's also like <laughs> what? It's. Uh, I. I could not I love get it. over the fact that it was a hamburger. Or, or a chicken dinner. Why is it not a hamburger dinner? Yeah. Why? I don't understand the combination, the left alone just hamburger, or obviously you can't just get chicken. You must have a chicken dinner. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, like, for some reason, that baffled me. I, like, could not get over the it's way weird. that that was all phrased. Not if it makes sense. Yeah. I just love the idea that it's just, you know how men are when they're alone. Yeah. They like hamburgers and chicken yeah. dinners. It's like, yeah, yeah you know, I like those things, but I didn't realize that was the thing. Okay. <laughs> there's, I'm never going to remember. There's also another <laughs> line in this movie that is like so bizarre. And I'm never going to remember it now. But it, I, I, it is, there was such a, there's a line that is so strange somewhere towards the end of this movie that even in the movie had like no context for it. It was like so bizarre. I'm, but I'm never going to remember what it is. I don't have it. Yeah. That was the one. But that one, I, I must have ran that back like 10 times to write it down because it was like a very tense moment. Yes. I'm going, oh, my God, she's going to have to fly there yep. and hitch a ride or do whatever to get there. Yep. There's no way that she'll make it. And then the way that – although I do – you know, I, I know that Stephen King doesn't take his dialogue lightly. So right. that obviously means something. And so either the actress just was given a chance to improv um, or I think it's just meant to suggest like – they're they're totally square about what's going on. I mean, right. the, the dramatic irony is thick in that moment because we know what's up, and literally no one in that room does. And her mom, bless her heart, is just trying to comfort her daughter in this yeah. time that has been really, really fucked up for them. Yes, even when you don't know the supernatural elements. Yeah, and so for her to just be like, "Oh, don't worry about him. He's fine. He probably just went uh, went out for uh, a hamburger or a chicken dinner. You know how men are." It yeah. just was trying to just appeal to the like i'm your mother yeah i've been around the block i know these things everything's yeah. fine yeah and so i i would hope that You're maybe that right. was something like that or it's just a crazy just one of those crazy things that just happened oh, there's no so explanation funny. who knows it was so funny uh let's wrap it up what do you, i mean on this movie you got any more thoughts because i've just i just genuinely like i loved this movie i, I really it really so liked fun. it i went in not ready to dismiss it but ready yeah. to make concessions towards it yeah. and i didn't have to make any um the things that i thought i would have to make concessions towards such as the 80s cheesiness yeah. were framed in they were there but they were framed in a different way that they were actually necessary to it yeah um, I went in expecting to just be like, oh, that was neat. I'm sure the book is good. Yeah. And was legit scared, legit yeah. creeped out. Yep. Uh, ended up really, really thinking about the, the thematics of it uh, quite a bit. Yeah. And so, I mean, I it's phenomenal. I I, I really like it. I don't want to make any, well, you got to deal with this to do that. Yeah. I really don't want to make any of those declarations because I don't think any of them are valid. Mm -mm. It is a legit good movie. Yeah. Made well. Um, it's scary. It's it's. Yeah. It's one of the scarier movies I've seen like in a oh, while. Oh yeah, because like, it did like very much actually unsettle me in, it's a, in, a, in a bunch of scenes. I went to bed and I would picture Zelda and yeah. I got all chilled. I was I've, I've been at home alone all week, so it's yeah. like you know it was it was chilling. Yeah, and I, I just think that uh, did this myth that we're only now just learning how to adapt King properly is right. exactly that. It's yeah. a myth. Yeah. Um, 
I think it was just in the mid '90s when we realized that there was like a glut of these everywhere, yeah. and everyone's looking back on them. We started to attribute these stereotypes to yeah. them, and a lot of them do have common threads, being that they're from the same yeah. you know author's brain. But you know, I, I just think we were at it. The reason why horror lasts is because it's always evolving in style and function, mm-hmm. despite always scratching the same itch in terms of why it pleases us and gives us pleasure. And so I think in the mid-90s, we were reaching that meta level with Scream and with all of that that is sort of poking fun at the 80s. Yeah. That when we look back on these, we go, oh, you know, that's this weird Stephen King things and just forget that like the reason they're still around is because they were actually fucking good. Right, yeah. And so, you know, some are better than others, but yeah. the source material remains strong. And I'm glad that like we are back in sort of a new kind of renaissance of interest in his stuff oh, because yeah. they do tend to make for like just very interesting like movies and creative projects. He's they're almost imaginative man, and they're almost always adaptations. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like almost the, they very rarely are they actually written by him. Like yeah. they're they're almost always adaptations, and that I kind of think they're always like very interesting in the way people try well, to adapt. Now we've reached his a stuff. point where they're written by people that were you know that. They're our age. Yeah. Yep. And so their history with King is similar to ours. Yep. So they're coming at it from a more informed, you know, like back in the day, it was just that crazy cokehead writer. Right. We're going to, everybody loves his books. Let's make it into a movie. And yep. that's great. But now that it's become accepted that, like, you know, Stephen King is like our Mark Twain. Yeah, the way, yeah. Like, he's one of he's our the greats. pop writer yeah. that is the, you know, he's no Dean Koontz. Exactly. He's, lost. Like, he's the real one. He's not just an airport author. Yeah. You yeah. know, he's more than that. He's yeah. better than that. He is a voice. Yeah. And uh, man, he's gonna be the most heartbreaking death. I'd bury him in a pet cemetery because who knows when he right when he came back? <laughs> yeah, It'd be true. Crazy. It would be crazy. He would just write like Hearts in Atlantis too. You're like, yeah. oh, fuck yeah. you. <laughs> he would just write like the Dark Tower backwards somehow. Yeah, yeah. You know, dude. I will say this: the I was always on board with the like, yeah. Sometimes Stephen King doesn't stick the landing, but it mm-hmm. never bothered me because it was more about the journey, and he, you know, it was all these fucked up things that got me. Good character work, and um. It wasn't until I read On Writing, yeah. which allowed me to see into his process in a way where mm-hmm. I realized that the endings were of no concern to yeah, him it so really much. Matter. Um, and then eleven twenty two sixty three, in which Joe Hill conceived the ending, and right. it's the best ending he's ever done. <laughs> but at the end of The Dark Tower, I, I'm not going to spoil it, yeah. but the way that it ends rebuts that criticism in the best way ever yeah. and makes it plainly clear that it's just like... You're not here because you want the ending. You're yeah. here because you want the story. Yeah. And I'm going to give you the best story ever. Yeah. And it really speaks to that. You know, that that series gets quite meta. I mean, yeah. Stephen King yeah. is writing it as it happens at one point. <laughs> uh-huh. But it really comes to a point where, like, you know, I, I wouldn't say that it ran out of steam, but there was certainly a point where I was like, these seven books could be five. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. But when it hit the ending and I realized what he was trying to say and where it was all going, I, I was speechless because yeah. it's just... He's he is a man that is all about that story yeah. and is not really at all about that plot. And so I think Pet Cemetery succeeds because it does use the plot, but it really very much is about the story. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think that's when Stephen King succeeds most. Totally. Uh, I mean, I always said back in the day like one of the hard things about adapting him is either you have a short story that you have to pad to full length yep. and it can be successful like uh 1408, yep. which is a three-page story that they imbued with new character mm-hmm. or it could be, you know, or, or it could be lawnmower man where it's a yes. short story yeah. and they expand it so much that it's not recognizable. It's not even at all related to the, you know, 
vice versa, you've got it, and you got to cram it yeah, down. Yep. And, you get, and so it's tough to figure out what you have to cut and what you have to add to make these things work. Yeah. And I think when filmmakers and screenwriters hew closer to character and story, it's more successful. When they hew closer to plot, you get the Langoliers. Yeah, yeah, you know? totally. And I, no love lost to the Langoliers, but yeah. that movie's very hokey. I know exactly Because what it's mean. very much about the plot machinations. Yep, yep. And so Pet Cemetery found that perfect blend of story and plot and, and drove both of them home. Totally agree. Like, I was satisfied that the conceit of a cemetery that brings things back from the dead was used as fully as it could. Oh, yeah. But the movie was about grief and yeah, about, yeah. you know, facing the unknown and, and mortality and all that. That's cool. It's like it's like the definition of a movie movie in that yeah, way. It really you is. You know what I mean? I mean, it just makes the most out of this premise while never forgetting to like also actually like try and like get me with its story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. I, I fucking really like this movie. It's the old hitch. I mean, I'm not going to get the Hitchcock quote right, but he said the key to scaring people is you got to make them care about the people who are getting scared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and like that's. Like, I, I saw Escape Room this week. Yeah. I had to review that. It's fine. I, yeah. I didn't love it. I didn't yeah. hate it. It's whatever. But the big problem was is that I either didn't care about the characters or actively disliked them. Right. So while it was fun to watch them all get dismembered and frozen and all this crazy <laughs> shit, it's very neat. Yeah. It's a movie that is all plot. Yeah. So anytime yeah. something happens, it has, it doesn't have enough weight. And so I, you know, it was about 20 minutes in. I, ma- I had to make peace with the idea that, oh, I'm just here to watch the plot. And yeah, then yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. But when it was like, you know, by the end, when all the cards fall and you find out what's really going on, yeah. I couldn't have given a shit because right. I didn't care about it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And I think when King works best is when filmmakers find that. Totally agree. You know, we find a reason to be. That's a, I think that's people talk about it follows and they go, oh, man, they really should have done more crazy stuff with the follower. Right, right. And it's like, yeah, if you wanted that movie. Yeah. But I think that movie is less rich because in this one, I do care about the characters and what the follower means. Yep. You could make a gnarly movie about people panic fucking to avoid the follower. <laughs> It'd be awesome. You could make a really <laughs> ripping, crazy, splattery, brutal movie about it. And that seems to be what everyone wants. Yeah. But if you put those two movies next to one another, one of them's going to have legs and it's not that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's because I care about uh, Reagan, was her name, I believe, right? Or is that her in the guest? That, I said. Is that the actress's name? Oh, man. Reagan, the only thing I can think is The Exorcist when you say Reagan. I don't know why that doesn't ring a bell with... Because if I got her name right, it's just going to make everything... Her name's Micah Monroe. Her name is Jay. Jay, yes. In the guest, I bet she's Reagan, right? I don't know. No, she's Anna. Someone's Anna. Reagan. Reagan's yeah. The Exorcist. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway. So the Reagan like, 80s were a great time for her. They were. They were. I but, liked this but, movie. But, you know, it's like that's... There's a movie about you know, crazy zombie pets and people burying people left and right yeah. that uses the the concept of pet cemetery to that end. And that would be satisfying, but there's no way to put character in that. Yeah. This one satisfied that need and put character. That's cool. I'll tell you what would excite me about a pet cemetery, like a new adaptation. I was thinking about this today. I was like, what could it look like? What would it be if if I were gonna make it, I would go full like reanimator with it. Oh yeah. I, I would I would have it be like by the end there are like forty five dead pets that are now alive and like going to war with like a dead uh, uh, oh, like man. a reanimated family in like a farmhouse. Maybe you know that's what, I mean? what the sequel is. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, All I know about the sequel is that it has Eddie Furlong in it. <laughs> oh really? I, I think didn't know so. That. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, I w- now I will watch the sequel because I just like I'm fascinated to see what it would be. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just very curious to see what a sequel to this movie would be. I want to see if it has Eddie Furlong in it. Yes, it does. Ha-ha. And Anthony Edwards. No way. Right on. And awesome. Clancy Brown. <laughs> I, I would watch the shit out of this movie. Yeah, without a doubt. And it's directed by her, right? I'm, I'm right about is. that. Yeah. And it has this kid. 
Oh, I know that kid. Remember that kid? Yeah. What is that kid in? He why do I know that kid? In Honey, I Shrunk the Kid. Yeah, that's why. Big I know that kid. overboard. Oh, um, oh. Wait, was he? He's not rookie of the year. No, no, he's that's not a rookie, um, year. rookie of the year is the the kid that ends up in no, the American Pie movies. Isn't his it? friend, though, his friend in rookie oh, of the year. Oh, right, yeah, there, yeah, he's, yeah. There's a, yep, and yep, he was yep. like a kid that was in all of like the McDonald's commercials uh-huh. and stuff. He was one of those. He is. Oh, he, he doesn't. <laughs> uh, Whatever. Yeah. So yeah, this uh, this movie has someone completely on fire. Sure does. And so we wanted to talk about one of my favorite devices in yep. film, and I think one of everybody's favorite devices in film once they realize how often they see it. Uh huh. And it is the uh, what was the term? So I believe they call it a full burn. A full burn. Yeah. A person completely it's, on fire. It's as you like to describe it, a fully on fire stuff. Fully on fire. Well, because the reason why I specify stuff, man, yeah. the reason why I love fully on fire when it's done right yep. is that. No matter what the person is doing before they're on fire, <laughs> once they're on fire, they all do the same thing because there's a certain way you have to walk and move while on fire yep. to not die. Yep. And so anytime that a stuntman gets lit on fire, they suddenly arms out and they walk forward slowly into the wind uh-huh. to keep the so that they don't inhale flames. Uh-huh. And and they, you know, it's it's just very funny to me, but it's always effective. Yeah. It's um, awesome. It's so cool. And it's one of those things like uh no, I mean, it, it pops up now, not so often as it once did, but I imagine when it first started happening that it was one of those things like when we learned how to T-bone a car right, right. Um, or when we learned how to cut someone in half, them not realize it, and then split into two, where because that technology suddenly existed, it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, we're in the heyday of cars rotating with people in them still, yes. and I'm still not sure how they do that. Yeah. But anytime that we have a car crash now, it happens with the camera inside the car, with the people rotating sometimes in slow motion. Yeah. Um, which honestly I think might be set off by the hallway scene in um in uh, Ooh, Inception. I maybe. think that's where the technology was born. Whoa. But every time we learn something new like that, it gets written into everything. Oh yeah. And so in the 80s, there's so much fully on fire stuntman because we oh, yeah. learned how to do it without killing a stuntman uh-huh. and uh so yeah so i don't know my i i did i put a spread on mine that i think it can be used for cruelty yeah for comedy and to exhibit inhuman strength and i have an example <laughs> okay. of all of these okay. in my list well so here's what i'll say about this is i uh this was an idea i had because i know dan loves fully on fire stuntman it's a thing that we get ex- very excited about whenever i i see movies it's with so him whenever it happens uh <laughs> it's just never not it's it's like the most movie movie thing i can yeah. think of but it's a it's a thing that i never paid much attention to yeah, until yeah. meeting you and you being so fascinated love, about it i never so, thought about pop tarts uh, yeah i never even considered that all movies are blue and purple like <laughs> yeah. that, and now because they are well so i don't have a rolodex in my head of like my favorite okay people on fire you know what i mean so i spent a lot of the day going like okay i know i've seen it a million times i tried to think of a few just off the top of my head i came up with like one or two but like was like i don't know if that really counts because that's not like a guy like moving around you know what i mean i was like mine are a mix because i actually to tell you the truth had trouble coming up with a lot of them like three of them right off the top of my head and then i was kind of dicking around and that's busy at work well one of the things that's exciting to me about this list is i was dicking around too and really could not find a lot about this yeah it's tough to google nobody has really made a list of like just like stuntmen on fire scenes i did find one list oh really Uh, but i if it turned out i had only seen like a handful of the movies none of them made it to this list uh so it took me a while to find a lot of these and uh, and so my list is like an interesting mishmash of things but I, i have interesting things to say about all of them and i will say 
I put one thing on this list that's from a movie I've not seen, which I do not like to do, but in doing the research for this... Maniac Cop 2? No, but okay. I saw that. I say, that one, I have not seen that either. It's and insane. it almost made my list because I watched that scene four times today. I'll make it the last thing I say. And when I say it, you'll be like, of course you included this. Okay, oh, right on. Um, right on. Because I watched it in doing the research today and was like, okay, this is amazing. This <laughs> right is on. everything I want. Uh, you want to start or you want me to start? Sure, I, I could start. This okay, is, this go for is, it. That way you can end your, you know... My uh, number one is the best one in yeah, the history of awesome. film. Awesome. So my first one, because I just watched this the other day, and it's just got an amazing version of this, is A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. At the end That's of A, a Nightmare one. on Elm Street, she tosses a bunch of gasoline onto Freddy, who's now in the real world, no longer in a dream. She lights him on fire with a book of matches. And like immediately, you can tell it's a stuntman because Freddy is suddenly looks to be about four hundred pounds heavier, <laughs> and it's not because it's like a heavy set stuntman. He's just he's wrapped, wrapped yeah. in all of that shit. You know, oh, that's the other thing too is that you look at their face and they're clearly just wrapped in in dampened towels. Yes. <laughs> yep, yep. And it's like they try and create the Freddy face, yeah. but with that kind of look, and it just looks absurd. It's so crazy. There's looking. an easy way to create the Freddy face with fire, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> that's that's the job where you see the stuntman and go you want to be a star yeah <laughs> but i like that one because it's got like it's pretty long there's like a really nice long take of him going up a staircase while on fire yeah. which is kind of interesting i can to picture look it at. now that you're saying it i haven't seen that movie in years i forgot all about that it's really good and then there's a very cool after thing which it, it, it does not necessarily have to do with that stunt but it's like a really cool idea that they use from the stunt which is when her dad finally because but she that scene ends with she locks him in the basement and the house starts to light on fire yeah yeah uh, and she's screaming out the window for her dad to come help her when he finally comes into the house Freddie's no longer in the basement and they turn around and there are just footprints that are on fire oh, yeah, going yeah, through yeah. the house up the stairs to her mother's bedroom another thing it's we should awesome. say about pet cemetery muddy footprints oh yes very scary very scary very scary and stuff. very well used in that movie yeah super yeah. well used yep uh, this one's actually really quick. Um, I just put this in because this is an example of when the flaming stuntman is used for cruelty. Yes. Which isn't necessarily my favorite application of it, but I think it's done well here, and it's in Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yeah. And the reason that it's done is because they light up uh, a whole bunch of Germans uh, with the, uh, you know, with their uh, flamethrowers. Flamethrower, yeah. And then the uh, whoever's in charge gives the order, don't shoot them. Mm. Save your ammo. Mm-hmm. And that's... That's terrifying yeah. because it's like what I love is that the Americans initial incl- inclination was we light them up yeah. and now we know they're not a threat yep. and we can pick Put them off. Down, but yeah. it's like, no, just save your ammo. Yeah. You know, leave it at that. Yeah. And so in order to capture how awful that is, there's a lot of dudes on fire yeah. and most of them walk around and then drop. Oh. And it's really, really upsetting. Yeah. And um, so that was just I, I just put that one in because that, that was the one that I wasn't so strong about. Yeah. But I think that as a way that that can be used to illustrate we think of it as novelty right um and that's a moment where it's actually kind of high art yeah that's interesting because yeah you're right there there's i think you and i get uh uh lit up when we (laughs) see the sort of goofier versions of this like a night on elm street but there's plenty of examples of it well, being used for... Because it mostly is like a grindhouse novelty. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they said, oh, we've got... You know, it's, it's like the trauma car flip. Right, yeah. They bought that car flipping footage, so it's going to be in every goddamn movie. <laughs> yeah. Because, and it's like, you got a guy you can light on fire? Or, and they live. Yes. Uh, they're like, why did they fight over the sunglasses? Well, I hired a wrestler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're going to have to have him do his shit, right? Gotta, yeah, <laughs> you got to wrestle. Yeah. We learned how to light a guy on fire, well, so let's get some matches. Uh, all right, I got a really good one here. I I, I hope you'll be as excited about okay. this as I am. Uh, do you remember that in Ong Bak? Not on my list, but I do remember. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Tony Jaw. Uh, 
doesn't do this on purpose, but gets his legs lit on fire and then proceeds to uh, fight at least three people while his legs are still on fire. And the one guy he fights is the dude they mo-capped for Eddie Gordo in uh, really? Tekken. Yes. I didn't know that. Yep. That's fascinating. He fights like the capoeira guy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And he's partially on fire at that oh, point. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's awesome. I rewatched it awesome. today, and it's like crazy because it's really Tony Jaw with his fucking legs lit on fire. Not on my list, but I had a note that because it almost made my list was Drunken Master Two for the same oh, reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jackie Chan does that whole final fight scene with his bottom That's half right. on fire. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. but his is funny because he's trying to put it out. Hunko, <laughs> yeah. and then yeah, he's yeah, you know yeah. doing. You know, Ungbok is legit. Ungbok's awesome. One man. and two are on Shutter now. Ooh. <laughs> Two is like the best karate movie ever outside of the raid. Uh, yeah, Unbok Two is crazy. It's so good. Yeah, uh, and Unbok is just like weird. Yeah, and, and like really fun. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good one. It's I got a lot think, of like yeah. techno metal music in it and stuff. You know? <laughs> Do you remember the original trailer for Unbok? I don't. No one knew who Tony Jaa was, myself included, yeah. and all it was was like. It, the the trailer starts and it's just RZA and his buddies yelling at the camera, telling me I gotta see Ong Bak because Tony Jaa is the new truth. This is it. <laughs> and then it like cuts to that footage where the guy like flexes and Tony Jaa takes him out with a kick to the face, yeah, just yeah. real quick. Yeah. And they're all, oh, and they're throwing <laughs> dice and whatever. And it's just it was just Wu Tang hyping yeah. this movie that they saw and yeah. want me to see. That's and it worked yeah. and they were right. They yeah. were, I, I tend to trust Wu Tang. <laughs> I do too, <laughs> except for the man with the iron fist. That movie was poopy garbage. Oh yeah, not I, not too it did, but I appreciate the. I the, want to uh, see that movie just because I've heard watching. it's insane. It's it's not great. It doesn't yeah. make much sense, but you do get to see super fat, crazy, coked up Russell Crowe enjoy I know. himself. So. I seem to remember Eli Roth telling a story about like being like on set of that movie for like two days in a hotel room with coked up Russell Crowe. Oh my god! And Russell like Crowe being like, and then my character needs to do this, and him being like, all right, it's in the script, I guess. Yeah, you're Russell Crowe. I'm yeah, not yeah. gonna say no. To- <laughs> I love that Russell Crowe went from being like a testy, insane asshole that no one liked to work with to a testy, insane goofball that everyone loves working with (laughs) because he's coked up and shows up with donuts but gives you the most committed performance you'll ever see. It's, It's unreal. I can't wait for him and Jerry Butts to play drunken brothers that solve a crime. Dude, if there's ever, like, if if they ever do, like, a you know, like a Butts versus Crow, (laughs) some kind of way that they're clones after, I'm in. It's got to happen. The two. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so my next one, um, this is an example of it being used for humor. We actually did an episode on this movie, but in Last Action Hero, one of my favorite, because this is like the perfect example of having to do stuntman moves. There's a scene where, uh, I I actually forget what the setup is, but the monster truck drives through this building into this area where there's all these women in lingerie Mm -hmm. just like doing whatever they do in the movie world. (laughs) And so after it crashes and there's a big explosion and all that, I think it's the driver or... Even a guy that was like using a gun on the back of it, I don't remember. Right. He's now completely on fire. And what I love about it, it's one of the best moments in any movie. He's totally on fire and he's just walking towards a fountain where he plans to douse himself while a woman in the foreground, scantily clad, is just belting out the most blood curdling scream at his appearance. Just, ah! Ah! It's insane and it's never not funny, but it's it's maybe three seconds. It's so but good. It's three just dense seconds of just masterful, masterful comedy <laughs> base and it's and it's meant to be yeah. funny. Yeah. And it's meant to parody the idea of this guy is clearly you know, this is in the world of Jack Slater. Right. So it's a movie, so he is a stuntman. Yes. Uh, even though he's real here. It's so good. Yeah, it's but amazing. He's fully on fire, and then he just like like peacefully lays down in a fountain where he puts <laughs> it's so good. 
So Last Action Hero is my number four. Oh, I love that pick. Uh, okay, so okay, you you might argue with me on this one, but I I, I had to put it in here because I'm not gonna fight with you on I, Men on Fire. Are you kidding me? Well, I I this is another movie I just watched and I loved this movie and this scene in particular. Just what I was like, oh, this movie fucking rocks. And uh, I've got an argument for how this works. Uh, I saw Christine for the first time oh, recently. I've actually not seen Christine. Christine rocks. Yeah, I saw you gave it a perfect it's score. So good. I like couldn't believe how good it was. And there is a scene where, uh, like, slight spoiler, but it's like definitely in the trailers and posters for this movie. It's all good. Christine, the car emerges from a garage just already on fire at one oh, point. I know that image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's like a, it's amazing. And there's like a ton of really long shots of this just totally on fire car, literally stalking a teenager. Nice. Uh, and I was like, oh, I won't include that on the list, but I, that's not a man on fire. And then I was like, wait a second, but how did they film that? And I looked it up, and sure enough, there's a there man is on a fire. man on fire inside of that car driving yeah, it. In the movie, is there anybody driving the car? No, it's meant to be like its own. I know it's like possessed entity. by itself. Yeah, yeah. I have not read the book. Actually, the reason I haven't seen the movie is because someone gave me the book oh, years okay, ago, yeah. and so I haven't, I haven't read it. But as I understand it, in the book, there is a ghostly figure driving oh, the car. Oh, fascinating. Place. And I, I wasn't sure if that was in the movie That's or interesting. Not. There is not. The movie implies that it's its I think it's probably better because in the book, it is, as I understand it, clear that you know it's this car is the thing that's the monster, and it's yeah. just this image in there. But in the movie, I think that would work better to not have a person there. It's totally. scarier that way. Yeah, yeah. It makes it clearer that, that movie it's best. rocks, man. I, maybe I'll just put it on. I, I'm not going to read the book anytime soon. I really liked it. I would say it's Carpenter, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's up somewhere. It's like on Prime or Netflix I'm sure I'll or find somewhere. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. I can get it. Yeah, Christine is great. Maybe I'll watch that this weekend. It's really. Fun. I was reading your thing about it. I was like, all right, I'm, I. I've been sitting on this too long. It looks amazing. Like, I'm not kidding. I think it looks better than any other Carpenter movie I've nice. seen. It just looks fantastic. Do you know who shot it? I don't. And it wasn't Cundy. It's not Cundy? No. I, I can't remember whose name it was. I, I remember I, I made note of that, that it was not Cundy. Uh, but it. I loved Christine. It, it, like, loses a little bit of steam in the finale, but it's just so fucking good. And, like, uh, yeah, I'd be very curious to read it because there's oh, a... Donald Morgan. What did he do? Starman 7. Oh, okay. So he's, A, he's worked with Carpenter for some other stuff, yeah. but is also gone on to do a lot of stuff. Nothing nothing major. Okay. But, like... I mean, 7's pretty major and actually does have a very distinct visual He's uh, credited style. as, like, DP on that as opposed to cinematographer. Okay. So, yep. like, I, I know it's essentially the same department, but... Yeah. He shot this movie, Born to be Wild. That appears to be a kid running with a gorilla... Oh, yes. I have to presume from about 1992. Rick Heller, uh, 1995, is a juvenile delinquent <laughs> who keeps getting himself into trouble. To keep him out of trouble, his mother puts him to work, cleaning the cage of a gorilla named Katie, which she is teaching to communicate through the use of sign language. Wow. When the owner of the gorilla takes her back to become a flea market freak, Rick takes it upon himself to break Katie out and take her on an adventurous journey to get her out of the country. <laughs> Can we just back up a second? Flea market freak. Yes. What is that? Um, I would assume it's as evidenced by this photo of a definite person in a in a gorilla costume wearing a ski hat. Ah, yes. Yeah, that'd be a flea that. market freak. I understand now. Leaf Tilden plays that monkey. Ah, also played Donatello. Oh, well, there you go. Leaf Tilden. It was a location scout on Eagle Eye. Anyway. Well, I pulled a punch there. It's a car lit on fire, and that's one of my favorite. I think it works. Men on fire. <laughs> You're promoting King, yeah, Fire, yeah, exactly, and Carpenter. Yeah, yeah. All right, so what am I at? My third. 
Yeah, that was my third. It would be okay. our third. So I recently went through the Halloween series uh, in anticipation. I kind of thought this might one. come up on yours. And so in Halloween two. Uh, there is a scene where completely unhinged and socially irresponsible <laughs> Dr. Loomis is just fucking up the town left and right. And he, uh, there's a guy, it actually makes no sense that this guy would be dressed as Michael Myers because it's the same night as the first movie. So I'm assuming that that mask was sold as just a, a killer mask. It's the way I, I was the scream killer long before scream existed because that mask existed. So we'll call it that. But either way, this guy's walking down the street and he doesn't, he uh he doesn't heed the warnings of the cops to stop moving uh-huh. and then uh i forget how it happens but he ends up in the street where a cop uh pins him against a uh uh like crashes his car into a van and pins him in there and then he's completely on fire <laughs> and what i love about it is that we find out later that it's Ben Tramer, <laughs> the boy that Laurie has, has a, crush a crush on, on and is planning on going to the dance with, and now can't because he is a he's burnt to a crisp. Yes, because he's become a man on fire. <laughs> he's and it's a what's cool about it is it's a very good man on fire. Yeah, yeah. He's on fire for quite some time and then he gets <laughs> smashed and it's just brutal. Oh. And then the reason they can't identify him right away is because he's so singed. Oh God, it's great. Oh, ben Tramer, Halloween two. All right, I think this is a fun one. Because I know you and I talked about this is a movie we saw together in recent years. Oh, and I remember you and I being impressed by this, and I forgot about this, but I found an article about it today and and made and read it to make sure I was right about this. Do you remember that in the movie Free Fire, Chartrell Copley actually is the man on fire? Oh, that actually is him, and he actually does the man on fire. He stunt. really did the that's stunt. Re- that's really him. I forgot that that happened in that yeah. movie. And what's weird is when I was searching Man on Fire, Free Fire kept coming up today on Google. And I was like, no, not Free Fire. Man, I'm not. A, I, according to him in an interview I read, that's him doing that stunt. That's off. I mean, he seems to be like a pretty appropriate maniac. <laughs> so yep. I'm totally into that. Yeah, oh, isn't that crazy? Awesome. Yeah. And that's like I a, forgot that that even happened. It's in a that pretty movie. good one, too. It's like a I really like. Movie. I did, too. Yeah. It's, it's like not. Fa- I, I like some of his movies better. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I liked that movie. I, I thought it was pretty I good. I bet it's better the second time around. I kind of think I've so, too. I've seen it once. I bet it holds up. Yeah. And actually, you know, Bobo Seth Rogen in that. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was He's in really that great. movie Kin. And oh, he was. Kin was cool. Yeah, you, um, you kind of liked that, right? I did. I mean, it's not yeah. like great. It's mm-hmm. exactly as good as it was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. I liked it quite a bit, though, and he was great in that. I like him a lot. He's in that um, that musical movie uh, that the, uh, the guy that made Once Made. God, oh, about... Sing Street? Yeah. I didn't see that yet. He is very good in that. Nice. Yeah, he, I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. I think he plays think like he the older in brother in yeah, it. Yeah. He's really good. Nice. Um, yeah, he's a good actor. I like that guy. Nice. Um, and do you remember, though, that Charlton Copley scene where he gets like, yeah. lit on fire? Oh, yeah, it's that's, uh, really crazy. What blows my mind is that it kept coming up when I was searching that, and I just yeah. kept thinking it was coming up because of the word fire. Yes, yeah, and yeah. It was yeah. probably coming up because that's what I was searching for. I forgot all about that. Yeah, it's pretty I wild. I want to watch that again. Yeah, me too, actually. I like that movie. Yeah. What's that? Uh, ben Wheatley. That's the ben name. Ben Wheatley, I yeah. and I believe what's her name? Amy Jump is. Yeah, it sounds like, right. Yeah, standard writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a beast, man. Give me your number two. And I'm I'm very curious. I want to credit her properly. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds right to me. I, I think you might have yeah, that right. Amy Jump. Yeah, yeah, she, and she did like Kill List, High Rise, Sightseers, all that. Yeah, shit. she's worked with. Uh, I movies. love Sightseers, man. That movie rocks. Sightseers rules. Oh, she was EP on Duke of Burgundy. Huh. Oh. That uh, makes a ton of sense. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. All right. My number two is um, a movie that I just think is so underloved. But yeah. the 
final, the big finale of A Cure for Wellness. Oh, I haven't is, seen this yet, and I so want cool. to. It's not the tightest movie in the world, right. but it looks beautiful. Yeah. And it's just, it's a neat movie. I don't yeah. know, it just, it really worked for me. Yeah. And uh, and I get why it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. But the the big baddie, and I won't say who it is or what it is or anything yeah, yeah. like that, but um, the entire final scene, he's completely on fire. Ooh. But the way that it's done is that because he talks and acts, and it's a full Whoa. scene involving a completely on fire That's man. cool. And so... I don't know how they shot it, but it's clearly someone on fire with this actor's face very cleanly digitally put yep. over it. Yep. So there's, you know, two leads barking at one another and being awful while his flesh is completely on fire. Oh but my because God. he's more than human, he can do that. It's pretty unsettling. Ooh, that's really cool. But also, you know, may, that movie could be terrible. And yeah. maybe it was just that, that I was just sitting there in my seat <laughs> like, fuck yeah! yeah. Yeah, but no, I, I like that movie quite a bit. Yeah, and, if uh, a movie you know, ended with a guy just like continuously kicking people through windows, it oh, wouldn't matter insane. what came before it. I would love every, I would love it. And I remember liking this movie, but yeah. you know, the, how do you? You can't get that out of the fold. No, that's of my awesome brain to assess the movie in any I'm, real way. I'm assuming that's your example of like that's a feat of strength for this that's, person. That is the inhuman strength. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the, I mean because I've seen it done before. I think that uh, where somebody can like withstand it. I think that Ungbox a good example of that as well as yeah, Drunken yeah. Master, where it's like. I think in both of those instances, it's less about their strength mm -hmm. and more about their determination on the mission. Right. That being on fire is of little import at this yes, moment yeah. because I need to win this fight. Yeah. Um, so this is of that. And so, yeah, that was the... Uh, We've covered inhuman strength, cruelty, and comedy now. And my Excellent. number one is a comedy. It's like the funniest thing ever. I love it. Well, okay. So this is my number one. I This is the one that I've not seen. I'm very much looking forward to seeing this movie. I've been wanting to see it for a while, but I got I got a few more movies to watch before I get there. Nice. And so I was looking up like fully on fire, and I thought to myself, there's no way there hasn't been a Jason movie where he's been fully on fire, oh, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That had to have happened, but I couldn't think of an example in my head, so I literally just Googled Jason Voorhees on fire and found this amazing scene from Freddy versus Jason. Yes. Where he emerges from a cornfield uh, to find what the kids there refer to as a rave Yes, in the middle of a cornfield. They call it a rave in a cornfield. Uh, the, kids, the kids immediately say to Jason, can we find you a pig to fuck? Because the kids partying in a cornfield are making fun of him for being a hick. It, like yeah, yeah, None yeah. of it made any sense. It was like... That movie is... I do like that movie, yeah. but like that movie should have been infinitely better. Yeah, um, I do like that movie for novelty, but that script is like pretty garbage. I can tell you this: the ninety seconds I saw were a, from a five star movie. Yeah, oh yeah, it's oh that's the thing. It's a badass movie. It's just to get to all of the things that yeah. they need to get to. It really doesn't. Uh, it's not smooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's totally awesome. It, dude, this scene was incredible. They like somehow the kids light him on fire basically as soon mm. as he starts trying to fight them. And there's this amazing shot of him, like, you know, doing his, like, lumbering that he yeah, does yeah, yeah. through the cornfield. And so it's, there's like, a wide shot him. of this, oh, like, yeah. lumbering man on fire with a trail of fire behind him. And I believe he sticks him. some people with the machete. Which is also on fire. And when it emerges from their chest, it is still on fire. Yes, yeah, it's, um, it's badass. It's amazing. I was like, this I would fucking like to watch that rules. Because yeah. I remember being, like, you know, loving it because how lucky are we? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But also just being, like... This is dumb. I've been waiting for this for 10 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It came out on my birthday, too. I remember oh, that. Yeah, cool. it was yeah. wild. Well, I, I just bought a very cheap Blu-ray set of the Nightmare on Elm Street films, oh, so right I am on. very shortly going to be finally caught up enough to watch Freddy vs. Jason. Dude, I 
when you watch Freddy vs. Jason, if I'm around, I want to watch it with okay, you. Because it's cool. been a while. It has it. been a while. I am into it. All right. My that, number one. Yeah. You'll remember towards the end of Billy Madison. Yes, yes. Um, he uh, challenges Bradley Whitford to an academic decathlon yes. in which they're really quickly going to go through all of the skills one would pick up in a career in the scholastic world. Uh-huh. And so as a last-ditch effort to inherit his father's company and not give it to the uh, murderous, yes, he murders his secretary, That's Bradley right. Whitford. Uh-huh. And... Um, <laughs> so uh, there's a scene it's like a montage of all of the things that they do and what's funny is the movie is not very clear on whether Billy's supposed to be doing good or bad I agree the montage um, makes that totally unclear it's unclear but yeah. at the same time like this is a manic movie yeah. where it, it doesn't have to make sense all that matters is that they're tied by the end yes. but there's the cooking challenge yeah, and yeah. the way that it's framed and I'll never be able to, to make it as funny as it is uh Adam Sandler pulls out of his oven like a beautiful cake or something. <laughs> and then Bradley Whitford pulls out of his oven a charred, burnt thing that's on fire. Yeah. Cut to Adam Sandler pointing and being like, ah! <laughs> and then cut to a wide shot. And now Bradley Whitford is completely <laughs> on fire. And Adam Sandler's still just laughing like, oh, are you sure? And it is a pure and full body man on fire and what's so funny about it is one no one gives a shit two i don't know how he went from like fanning the flames on this to being very funny and three next scene he's totally okay it's so good but i love that while he is you know ostensibly dying in the most horrifying way possible billy's just laughing at him that's very funny (laughs) that movie is like so much gold hidden in the folds of a stupid movie i loved that movie growing up it's so good yeah it has the talking dog that i love the speak for yourself (laughs) it's so good but yeah so bradley whitford completely on fire in a pretty good number one yeah that's that was the first one i thought of because it's just i think that's why i like stuntman on fire so much yeah that was the first time that it hit me because it it makes the artifice of it so clear that it's part <laughs> of the joke yeah and it's i mean it's just a great joke it's so mean and, yeah yeah you know it's great he's on fire that's very so, fun. Yeah. well and just the the editing of that is like very funny it's so good yeah. he's on fire faster than anything could ever <laughs> yeah. have been on fire yeah. it's so good that's very funny so yeah Man, I'm so glad that this is the list because I had no clue. I was like, maybe I shouldn't even text him about a list. When I when I saw the man on fire, I was like, okay, I mean, that's a potential idea. And then when I saw the child on fire, I was like, okay, we should probably talk about people it. on fire. What are the odds? Yeah, I mean, actually, pretty great that we'll run into a movie that has people oh, on yeah, fire. Yeah. But still, you know. I mean, you know, we kind of burned this list on uh, on this movie because we could have done it for any number of movies, but it was good for this yeah, movie. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. super good for this movie. Awesome. Well, I, I fucking loved Pet Cemetery, and I'm now like even more looking forward to the remake actually because i'm oh, just yeah. very curious what they're going to do and how they're going to do it no i know the ins and outs of the story it's like i said i i always knew it was about you know a, a place where if you bury your dead it comes back i knew that the kid died actually oh wait i should say this because yeah. this is pet cemetery has a piece of relevance in my life okay um apparently when i was a very 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 young child not even toddler yet my aunt was reading pet cemetery and when she got to the scene where Gage was run over by the truck, she called my mom <laughs> to make sure that I was okay, <laughs> crying her eyes out, 
because apparently she was like, when I read it, for some reason, I just pictured little Danny. Oh, no. And so throughout the whole book, I'm just picturing him because they described him to look just the way that. And so when he got hit by the truck, I just was so flabbergasted oh, by it that I didn't know what to do. And so she called my mom to just make sure I was OK and all that. Oh, my God. And uh, I just I, that always stuck with me. That's and so I, I knew that he would die. Yeah. But um, I didn't know the angle that I really thought we were going to get the novelty plot movie as opposed to the story yeah, movie. Yeah. And the fact that for some reason I had such little faith in in a King source material, to him being an author that has quite literally never disappointed me, um, I don't know why, but I'm uh, glad that, that that's not true. I honestly thought this was one of the made-for-TV King movies. Yeah, same. For some reason in my head, that's what it was, and it's obviously not. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, that was like kind of my impression of it. So I honestly, one of the things that I think this last year on the show has taught me, especially going back through some of the older horror movies we've decided to watch, is like... I just need to fucking every weird pop culture preconceived notion I have, I just need to like drop. Just throw it away. Everything I've ever thought about a lot of this stuff has like not been true. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, I've had way more fun with some of these older horror movies than I do with like some of the newer stuff we go see. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, So I, that, I, I, I'm grateful to movies like uh, Pet Cemetery for kind of just like opening my mind to be like, just watch fucking anything. It is amazing what the culture does. Because like I, I always laugh like, like film Twitter. Yeah, I'm yeah. as proud to be part of it as I am ashamed to be yes, part of it. Because like it can go either way. But yep. it it goes to show like when you're hopeless movie nerds the way that we are. Yeah. That as much as you try to see stuff open mind open mindedly, it's almost impossible. I mean, and this goes for anything in life. It's impossible to enter things without prejudice. And it's a muscle that you have to work to yeah. not do that. And so yeah, you're right. Things like Pet Cemetery are great reminders that it's like stop bringing your baggage to it. Yeah. You can always turn it off if it doesn't work. Yeah. Just go for it and see. Yeah. yeah. And and nine times out of ten, it's worth it. I, I had a blast with this yeah. movie. Like, this is definitely something I will uh, probably watch a bunch of times in the this future. This is one that I would like to show people yes. who haven't seen it so I can watch them watch it because yeah. it's so fucking crazy. It's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I, like, uh, I think they did it at Exhumed a couple years ago, Tori oh, said. Sure. I was like, was that was nuts. probably amazing. People probably went crazy during yeah. the, the Fred Gwynn death. Yeah. Because I, I, I was doing, and it's funny, I always laugh, a friend of the show, Andy, uh, this past year or two, I've seen a couple horror movies with him. Yeah. And I tend to silently watch horror movies because uh, I, I just get creeped. Yeah. And uh, he has like a bigger reaction where it's like a jump or yeah. kind of laugh with it. And I yeah. love it. Yeah. Um, when we were watching Witch in the Window, anytime something popped up in the background, he'd yeah. hit my shoulder like, you fucking see that? Yeah. Yeah. And so it was the greatest enhancement to films ever. Yeah. But I was never really like that. Yeah. I just enjoy being near that because yeah. it really helped me feel afraid of these movies but uh pet cemetery brought that out of me yeah when that kid was and starts chewing on him because he 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 cuts the tendon yeah cuts the face then bites, bites his throat the throat yeah each escalation i'm like ah! i know <laughs> laugh mani- it was awesome it That's was crazy madness. i know I, oh madness. i loved it yeah it was i i was doing a very similar thing i was having a very revenge-like reaction for me where i was oh, just yeah. like ah it's it's like this incredulousness yeah. that happens you're like i can't believe this exactly yeah. so good so good i love that yeah revenge was like that too oh, i mean yeah. we both had a pretty audible reaction that, yeah. that was just a fun night of, oh, yeah. of being crazy about movies but yes yeah yeah but yeah, very much, and I, you know, I, I always look forward to seeing if a movie can do that uh, now. You know, I, I feel like mm-hmm. there's, 
Not, not that there's less of it or anything. I just think you don't get a lot of that in movies mm. in general. There's a lot of that, like, I can't fucking believe I'm seeing this. Yeah. You know? I got, I got a fair amount of that from Hereditary, but I can see oh, why people yeah. didn't. Mm-hmm. But yep. I think that Hereditary sort of plays to being classier yeah. than something like Pet Cemetery. when ultimately it's not. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. As, as off the wall. But, uh, yeah, like it got me there in terms of manicness, but yeah. certainly not to that same flavor or degree. You know? Yeah, yeah. There, yeah, there's like a little bit of fun I'm having with how like mm. crazy this movie is that uh, I, I didn't have with Hereditary. I don't know. I, I, my impression was Hereditary didn't want me to have that kind of fun, but I could yeah, see yeah. the argument that maybe it did. It comes better didn't. in the second viewing. Yeah. And also, we had a shit crowd that first we time. We did, yeah. But, um, yeah, but it, it is certainly a different flavor. Yeah. It didn't quite have me going, you know, manic the yeah, way that was. Yeah, but, yeah. man, oh, man, that was... Kissing the fingertips on that Maron. one. Maron. Oh, Maron. Well, let's wrap this thing up. I want to plug the um, the live show again, which is uh, Saturday, January 27th. We're on at 7 p.m. at Tattooed Moms. Um, we're going to do another like live game show thing that we did last year. It should be fun. Um, I think Dan is going to join us. We'll, we'll find out. You'll, you'll see. Yeah, I, I will probably be there. The only thing that's it conflicts because it's on my mom's birthday. Yeah, you got to go and celebrate I, with your I'm mom. I'm trying to be a good son. I understand. Not I trying understand. to be the good son. That's a bad We'll have a really be. cool guest host if for some yeah. reason you're not there. But um, uh, either way, yeah. I will be there in spirit if not there in yes. person. But you should be there in yeah. person. It'll be a blast. It's a good cause. Yeah, it's for the Everything is Awesome Headstrong Festival uh, in support of the Headstrong Foundation, which is a cancer association. Uh, and um, that's just a, an important thing for us and we're excited to be there and be part of it so hopefully you'll come uh, watch us and have fun too um, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Philadelphia. that's with an F uh, letterbox.com oh <laughs> sorry I just couldn't I couldn't resist I w- I think about this every time. Every yeah, time guys, I say it. Come on down to Tattooed Moms. It's going to get real metal for the Headstrong Festival. Back off. We'll take you on, Cancer. Sorry, but it's so funny. I was just cutting a promo. When it, like, <laughs> when it started, I was like, what's happening? I like grabbed my headphones. Oh, no. That's just the trailer music from Tears of the Sun. That's right. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bruce Anywho, Willis, right? Bruce Willis, uh, Antoine Fuqua. That's right. Uh, Never saw it. Yeah, I mean, I did recently add it to my Netflix queue as if I'm ever going to Yeah, watch yeah, yeah. It. That's just going to sit there for a long time. It needs now. to be there. Yeah. It needs to be yeah. there next to like We Were Soldiers. Yeah, exactly. Just that shit. It's got to see Bruce's head every once in a while. Yeah, you know, <laughs> a necessity. All of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Twitter and Letterboxd, Philadelphia with an F. And uh, I'm on cinema76.com uh, or cinema76blog.com. Cinema76.com. Oh, okay, yep, right. Oh, the it. Twitter is Cinema76 blog. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, my brain was like, wait, am I wrong? Oh, yeah, uh, no, no. Yeah, farsightedblog.com. Oh, that's also because then the other one is farsightedblog.com. Uh, yeah, all those places. Find me. Sweet. Um, yes, at Dan Scully, Letterboxd, Twitter. Um, also on Cinema76, Findy, and um, you can check out our show. Did you do this yet? Not yet. Okay, at I Like Two Movie. Uh, we spell that with the numeric two, despite that not being our actual title. Indeed. Uh, we do that to make it easier for yeah, you. Of course. That's what we're doing. Yeah. And uh, so that everywhere. Uh, like, subscribe, share with your friends. Yeah. Uh, please leave a review. Yeah. Uh, we don't have a lot of reviews, but all the ones we have are great. Yes. And even if you're lying or just like it helps, it yeah. brings us to the front. And, yeah. and we... We're getting up there, and I just yeah. want to hit that front page. Yeah, that's. Uh, I I think we're we're you know kind of working with some uh, pretty cool ideas for like some guests in the future this year and stuff. There's going to be more kind of interesting, cool stuff coming from us this year, so we're very excited. Uh, and uh, I don't know. Let's sign off. My name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. Ooh, yes. Oh, yeah. My name, you know it. Ah, <laughs> you love it. My name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. I like that we're ramping down the same way you ramped up. <laughs> uh, uh, uh,
And we all know that you like to movie. Because we like to movie!